Welcome to Savvy Savage Podcast on Call In. This is episode 89, Progressive Campaign Case Study. Okay, let's talk about it. So we talked about this today on uh, YouTube, uh, this need to continue this progressive campaign strategy, whether it's through the presidential campaign or whether it is through Congress as well. And we have seen that there haven't been many returns on people's investments, uh, so to speak, people that invested time and energy and money uh, into this strategy. And for me, it's not even just about Marianne Williamson. For me, it's also about the fact that anybody who is trying to do this position at this point in time is going to run into the same problems that she ran into. And that is because of the system that's in place. And they're also, you know, the, the, the left is split, so to speak. They're also going to run into the problem of not having as much support as Bernie Sanders did because of the way that Bernie Sanders decided to respond after he realized he was losing support and he was not going to win for him to just fold his arms and, and tell everybody to vote for Hillary Clinton and to vote for Joe Biden. I think that that was a really big mistake. And so here we are. So I see we got a couple people lined up here in the queue. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Colin. Colin, you are on the mic. What's up? And let me make sure I uh, unmute myself here as well. Just got to check my volume. Hello, right. Savvy. Hello. Hello. Um, how are you doing? I am doing fine. <laughs> um, I just have to tell you, thank you so much uh, for your case study. Uh, I think you explained, you broke it down in a way that I probably could never could. But I think you got to the heart of the issue in a way that I think people have been saying, but have ignored and for good reason. But I loved how you kind of broke down the receipts in terms of, you know, back in 2016, how, you know, Bernie made people money from 2016 and 2020. And now the larger channels, especially those who were affiliated with TYT and now breaking points. And I'm not sure if you saw my super chat, I think you stepped away that Eric read. This is why breaking points are dangerous. We talked about this on INN over a year ago because they're, in, they're based in D.C. And they will have that access to all these politicians, you, case in point, Ryan Grimm. You know, that's why, Kyle, I think in a lot of ways, it's now aligning more with Crystal um, because of the access that he's able to get, you know, from her celebrity and her status. Um, in terms of his livelihood for his channel. Um, but I did want to say, because I know you watched it, um, like those of you who do know that I had, I gave a couple of super chats to the Vanguard. Won't do it that again. Um, but they're also vying for access as well. And when I challenged them, in terms of thinking, telling them, you know, because they're like, oh, you know, people are, it's uh, bigger, large, certain channels, 
and I know they were talking about you guys at RBN, uh, are saying, don't do anything and just get angry. And, you know, and what my super chats were, is like, no, like you and I and others have said, you know, we're not saying to disengage. We're saying to engage, but more on a local level where you're actually able to have wins. And as an activist, you know, I can't in good conscience tell people to support Marianne knowing that the system is going to be rigged against her and have them spend their time and energy on supporting her when their money and time and energy could be invested in things within their community that people are going to see and feel right away. And, but those messages, and the issue that I have is, is that the larger channels are going to suck the energy out of doing those things over supporting Marianne. And that's the frustrating part. I think especially in terms of how, you know, even for us, you know, it affects our channels. Like right now I have two Marianne clips, which the algorithm are catching and are getting views and have gotten, you know, subs as a result. Some of the stuff that we have put out that are more towards labor or like certain interviews that we've done on a larger, smaller end, I would love to have as many views, um, but they don't go anywhere. And the algorithm does not support that kind of work. They support the drama. So in a lot of ways, I think the larger channels, in a sense, kind of dictate for us what we need, what we should be reporting on, which we don't necessarily want to, but it's kind of that balance of doing that in order to make ourselves viable, and but why trying to balance that with topics that are more pertinent to labor? And I was sharing with Indy yesterday, like I basically wanted to quit because it was just kind of like I'm just so frustrated that you know with INN we try to have more balance. We try not to get into the drama, you know, but we have to every once in a while just to make ourselves viable. But the stories that we want to cover that should, are more important are not being covered or are at least suppressed. And the larger channels won't report on that, but they get to talk about the drama and have all this access to these politicians and they're getting the views. And that's what sickens me. Yeah, this is a big problem with the, the algorithm on YouTube. And I think that, uh, I mean, you guys see, like, I I try to cover a lot of different things. Um, and I told you guys, like, especially with the exception of today with this case study, I really, for the most part, don't focus on, like, the podcaster, like, drama. I don't focus on that anymore. Usually if I'm, I'm talking about a podcaster, it's usually about something that they said that is actually good that people need to hear, Right. But this is right. a problem with the, with the YouTube algorithm, and it's very true. Like, if I were to sit up here and make videos just about Marianne, those videos would get way more views than the videos that I did about Workers Strike Back, and it's 100% true. Like, anytime I talk about labor, those videos don't get as many views. Um, the algorithm is pushing out – they like to push out names, and they like to push out a lot of times these these podcaster names, right? So it's like – People will ask, like, why don't you guys cover this? Why don't you cover that? And I'm, I always have to tell people on Twitter, we did cover those stories. 
oh, I didn't see it. You didn't see it because the algorithm is not pushing it out to you. Right. And this is the thing people need to understand. What you click on actually does matter. If you are clicking on videos that say Jink Uger takes down uh, Mike Figueredo, that is what the algorithm is going to continue to feed you. That's what you're going to see as your recommended videos. That's probably what you're going to see on your homepage on YouTube. If you were clicking on videos where people were talking about labor or people were going on strikes, uh, worker strike back, which was a big thing. We did the Boston launch this weekend, right? If right. you're clicking on that kind of stuff, then that's what the algorithm is going to feed you. The problem is most people are not clicking on that type of content. They're clicking on the content where so-and-so got into a fight with so-and-so and, -so. and mm -hmm. the algorithm loves that. That's why if you see, there are certain uh, podcasters that only talk about celebrity drama. Those channels do really well. Right. right. Really well. And I don't, I hope you don't quit Colin. I, I really don't want you to, because I think you guys do great work over at N, but I know for a fact, you guys are heavily suppressed. Yes. Because and I have to type in the entire name and your channel still doesn't show up until I click enter. And that doesn't happen with me with other channels. Right. And I, I mean, it, I'm not going to quit. I mean, I think the, the good thing is, I mean, I just got, I, it helps when people kind of say, Colin, you do good work. We appreciate what you do in INN. And I just think, you know, the community that we're cultivating that really supports what we're doing and what in me particular and what I'm trying to do, you know, because a lot of the reason why I went into this is to kind of elevate or kind of encourage people as far as the activism that I'm doing at DC in terms of my teaching, you know, um, that, you know, I want to be the type that kind of practices what we're trying to tell people what they should be doing. Like that's, and that's the message that I want to try and kind of uplift and encourage people to do the same thing. I don't want to be the type that kind of says, oh, you need to do mutual aid and all that kind of stuff. And I don't do it. Or I dismiss people that, you know, when the, um, when the idea is presented to them, uh, especially in terms of electoral politics, I want to be the person that is able to say, I I'm, tell I'm doing it and I'm encouraging you all to do the same thing. But those messages, as you said, are not profitable. You know, to do the right thing, including in the space, is not profitable. And it's infuriating that these larger channels, in the name of making money, in the name of getting access, in the name of getting views, in the name of getting clicks, you know, they, they, they're doing a lot better, especially if they were able to ride that wave you know, from the Bernie campaign, especially back in 2020. And for us, we started later, we started last in 2021, you know, and yeah, it's, we're seeing the suppression and, you know, and we're not too concerned about that because ultimately it's, we're very happy with the community that we're curating. We're growing slowly, but, you know, slowly and steadily, but, it's just amazing to see that we've been around with as many videos as some of the larger channels and they have way more subs than us. So it's kind of like, okay, really what's going on here, you know? But again, like, thank you for speaking to the case study because I think 
there are a lot of people who are kind of saying, oh, we should support Marianne because of X, Y, and Z, or, you know, we know that she's not going to make it, but she's the best, you know, hope, hope or whatever they want it we have. But people are not necessarily asking, why is it that certain people, and it's not about we don't like her, and that's usually what the uh, argument is, oh, we don't like her or whatever. But you have to ask yourself, why is it that certain people um, are pushing her and certain people are not? And the key is access and money, which I'm glad you reiterated and you got, I'm glad you made that connection. And I hope that people will be able to see that and think more critically in terms of who they're watching. But I think also on a larger level of what kind of content they're um, watching as well because it's easy to kind of get wrapped up in the drama and all of that but a lot of the issues that we kind of talk about mutually on our channels are way more important of how to reorganize labor and not to go back to the vanguard again if they did their research because they were calling you guys out they would have saw that nick uh was at the workers fight back um kickoff in seattle last weekend which uh i highlighted on my show which i know you know and and those are the issues and those are the stories that should be covered a lot more um, that a lot of larger channels will not because, as you said very clearly, it doesn't make them any money. This is incredibly important for people to understand because they were a part of our general strike summit. They were no. also a part of the marches for Medicare for all that we did two years ago. They are they are very well aware of what we do at RBN. Right. They know they know we do tour for the poor. They know all those things. But again, like I said, it's more profitable to steer people away from mutual aid, to steer them away from direct action, to not talk about workers strike back, because, yes, those things are not really going to help your channel. Those things are not really going to help your cash flow. But if you are promoting campaigns, that's really going to help you out. And that's that's what it's really about at the end of the day. And that's why I say that, like, anyone who especially was a part of any type of direct action or mutual aid thing that we did that are now trying to say that we don't tell people to do anything and we're not doing anything, those people are suspect. Those people are people who want to keep you in the Democratic Party because they want to be friends with certain people. I mean, they're just going to call it out like it is. They want to be friends with certain people, and that's what their friends want them to do. And in order for them to keep access to those people, they got to go along with it. Right. Well, I just wonder what's going to happen by this time next year when Marianne will inevitably drop out and see what they say then. So it'll be very interesting to see what excuses they come away with. But um, I'll I'll let you go uh, just so you have others who can share their thoughts as well, but appreciate you, Sabi. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Colin. Hey, one thing. One other thing that I want to add here as well as to what Colin was just saying about this statement of people saying, well, then what do we do? Just do nothing. By the way, that is a BS talking point. They know that there are other things that you can do, but they're going to use that line of thinking because they want you to think that there's nothing that you can do outside of electoral politics. There's nothing that you can do except for vote for someone. And again, that benefits them. 
it's not beneficial. It's not lucrative to tell people to do mutual aid. It's not lucrative to tell people to do direct action. There's no money to be made there. And I think, in fact, when I go to those events, when I go to direct action events, like when I went to uh, Rage Against the War Machine rally, any of this stuff that you saw me do on the ground, that actually cost me money. Right. It doesn't make me money. That cost me money. It cost me $1,000 to go to D.C. and to go to the Rage Against War Machine rally because I had to pay for accommodations and all that kind of stuff. I don't ask you guys for money to pay for my hotel or anything like that. No, I don't. But those things, I actually lose money when I do those things. Right. So I think that's the, peop- the piece that people have to understand. And Jordan Sheraton has complained about this as well in reference to covering like the labor strikes and things like that. Like he said, he's like, he does the labor videos and people don't even watch them for the most part. But if he does a video calling out AOC, then people come over. And again, that has to do with the algorithm. And so more people where they should have been hearing about workers strike back on March 4th, they were hearing about Marianne Williamson's speech And that was, it was upsetting to me, I think, because I'm sorry, Marianne running for president is not helping the workers right now. The workers need to be helped now, not not next year if you win, which we know she's not going to win because we already know they've already rigged the primary. They're already going to find a way to rig as we get into 2024. They've already made it so that South Carolina is now the first state and that's the state that Joe Biden did really well in. So we already know that Marianne is not going to win. So the thing is, again, where are the people, the same people who said that they were champions for the lead, the, the the working class, the same people that I saw on camera wearing Starbucks, you know, T-shirts saying, yay, let's fight for the workers at Starbucks. How come those same people didn't say one thing about workers strike back to their audience? You know why? Because that conflicted with Marianne Williamson's presidential campaign announcement. And I'm sorry, but we have to call it out for what it is. Right. Workers strike back don't make them no money. Right. Or if the argument is some of them might, it may be due to ignorance or just not, you know, just not saying it, that they know that you guys are affiliated with work. Like you guys, well, especially with Nick going on workers right back. They want to kind of bring up the idea that, you know, that you're getting all this hate and they want to build off of that again for clicks um, versus coming in in good faith and being like, you know what? Like, as much as we may not like these people, they're actually trying to do something um, in relation to labor. Let's have that discussion at least or validate what they're doing in terms of that. So the idea of them not saying anything or you know, just totally ignoring it doesn't fit their, wouldn't fit the narrative of what they want to build in trying to sheepdog people into a losing hope in Marianne. And the thing is, if your primary focus is just focusing on someone's presidential campaign, the reality is you're not paying attention to all these things that are happening within like the labor movement that are happening for the workers. You're not paying attention to something like workers strike back, but if people have already told you about it and you know about it and you still won't even mention it, that's very strange. That's, that's suspect in my book. And we know exactly what's going on here. And I think we just need to call it out for what it is. One thing I wanted to, to hit on, and it was kind of like what Colin was saying about, you know, feeling kind of, kind of 
depressed about what you know where where is all this going and 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 i and i i get the the feeling i mean i i feel that way sometimes too it sometimes it feels like our our whole left movement and our whole lefty sphere is just complaining it's just pointing out the things that are wrong and, and doing so is crucial you know this education part is is, is step one and, and it's crucial but then it, it does feel like so often at the end of that then the talk just kind of stops <laughs> and you're left with you know okay everything sucks and so this is why for me what, what i've found personally helps with that is is to to dig down into what's what's the real root problem here and and look for that to lead you towards actions and and to me when i dig down to that what i come up with it is the money the money and the corruption you know we have a system this this rampant capitalist system where you have you know huge american and global oligarch, oligarchs who have all this money and they use that money to corrupt the system and bend it to their to their to their will and so if that and i think most people in this space and really generally really in all you know everywhere would agree with that assessment of you know that's the core problem and so then you get to okay but then what do we do about that and it'd be great if we could end capitalism and oligarchs and, and get rid of them but we don't have a magic wand to do that so i'd be like the next best thing is to try to cut those puppet strings that connection between the oligarchs and the people who are supposed to be representing us. And so if you're doing that, then the step is to deal with the money. And then that gets us to these kind of boring type of, of things of fixes to that, but they're, they're crucial. They're what we need to be doing and pushing on. And so that's things like, like public refinancing of campaigns and clean elections, getting regulations in place, you know, pushing for that, making political corruption toxic as part of our movement. And, you know, also the whole thing with the constitutional amendment to address corporations and not people, money, not speech. And so, so my point in all this is, is to say that if, if you're feeling like all this is going nowhere and, and it's just depressing, then I would respect, respectfully suggest that then we pivot to also then talking about these real concrete solutions and try to build a mass movement around doing these concrete steps and having the demands and and the fixes i mean i'll say this you know like whatever happens because i didn't start doing this i've been a teacher and an advocate this whole time like being in the space is only enhancing the work and even if i don't do this at the end of the day i will always have that and that's something you can't necessarily take away from me is my activism. So I am privileged and thankful that I have that, you know, as my vehicle and always has been. Because um, I don't need, like, whatever happens is not going to stop me from doing the work I should be doing anyway. That's the solace I have, you know, in terms of, you know, thinking through all of this. Um, but again, it's the idea of, the idea of like these larger channels take up a lot of air that suck up, you know, the work that we are doing that no one is necessarily focusing in on, on that, but is focusing even on the drama or the electoral politics. While everyone, people will say, oh, we need to focus on labor, we need to focus on, but that work is difficult. And, you know, and, but, and, and it's not sexy, as Anna Kepstrand would say. And, no one's willing to put in the work, not 
I would say the larger channels necessarily are not willing to put in the work in order to at least have the conversation of what that would look like. Um, it's just easier just to hide behind Marianne for access and money and clicks or whatever else versus what we should be doing in terms of galvanizing labor to counter the way that duopoly has kind of screwed labor over over the last century. Right. And to piggyback off of what Colin said, you know, a lot of these actions that I promote on my show and that I go to, the reason why we don't have larger numbers is because those actions are not promoted on the channels that do have hundreds and thousands of subscribers, with the exception of Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore is the only one. But then you have like the Jimmy Dore audience may not necessarily watch these other channels. And then you have like the Breaking Point uh, audience may not watch the Jimmy Dore channel. So that's where part of the problem is. Like, for example, the Rage Against the War Machine rally, you didn't have to necessarily agree with the people involved, but I felt like every channel should have promoted that rally and not just turn around and talk shit about the rally after it already happened when you weren't there and you didn't even talk to anybody, any of the organizers or people who were involved before that event actually took place. And this is what we see happen time and time again. A lot of these people that do have these large platforms, they know these actions are happening. By the way, Shama Sawant's Workers Strike Back, they didn't just reach out to me and those of us at RBN, they reached out to everybody in this left media space and you see who covered it and you see who didn't you see who didn't even mention it when we go back to the marches for medicare for all we could have had thousands of people out in the street across this country the reason why we did not is because again the larger networks didn't even mention like tyt didn't even mention it breaking points didn't even mention it mention it kyle, kyle mentioned it on secular time, and he gave out he, yeah, he did it in passing and he gave out incorrect information about it. So, yeah, it was just like, like all he had to do was ask one of the organizers to come on and talk about it. Like they don't do that either. The only time you hear from these organizers are after they have already won, but they are not there along the fight. They're not there in the beginning. It's after they've already succeeded. Then it's like, Hey, come on this show and talk about it. But where are you in the fight along the way? And if you're the type, and this is what I have to say, if you're this, you have this type of mindset that you only want to talk about something after the win has been made, that is not what I would consider to be an ally. We need people to spread the message, whether you like us or not, we need people to spread the message along the way so that it continues to grow. Now, they want people to spread the message about a Marianne Williamson campaign, and they get mad at those who are not on board for it. But at the, to that same point, they don't spread these direct action events. They don't spread these these worker, the worker uh, unionization efforts. They only talk about it after the win has already taken place. And they know they have that audience. They know they have that platform. And so what they do is a sort of gatekeeping in a sense where they keep, they prevent the message from being spread. And when they prevent the message from being spread, it decreases our numbers and it prevents us from actually getting any significant wins outside of electoral politics. This is on purpose. People have to understand this. As much as I saw people jump on on stream and brag about, oh, Marianne Williamson, da, 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 da. None of these people talked about worker strike back. Right. Not one. 
And and that's very that's very weird to me. Again, whether you like Shama Sawant or not, are you for the workers or no? And there are other steps and events that are coming up as well. This is an ongoing thing. One of the things they're trying to do is organize Amazon across the country. Chris Smalls can't do this by himself. By the way, right. Chris Smalls is on board for Workers Strike Back. Now, right. all these people that had Chris Smalls on their show and Chris Smalls is on board for Workers Strike Back, why haven't you had anybody on your show to talk about Workers Strike Back? And it's funny you mentioned Chris Smalls because I went to the rally um, in memory of Krishan Brown a couple of months ago where Chris Smalls spoke at, and he mentioned that he was frustrated over the fact that the people that you know, and it's a lot of larger channels that he went on and talked about his experience at Amazon and they haven't helped him. Nope. So, you know, um, that, and he, that includes the politicians too, but he said, I'm frustrated that the people that I reached out to in the, and them giving me, giving him lip service in terms of, you know, we'll help you out, we'll support you, whatever else, he hasn't gotten it. Because so, there's there's no money to be made there. And for people who are not aware, like Chris Smalls came onto small channels, like this was going back, I'm talking like look, two years ago. I think when Chris yes. Smalls came on my channel, I think this was two years ago. Right. He went on to everybody anybody who reached out, he went on to like their channels. And then it was kind of disappointing to see that after he won, for some of them, it was only after he won that he was invited to come on. Right. But anyway, I'll let you go. Um, let everyone, other people kind of share. But thank you so much, Tabby. Thanks so much, Colin. Okay, we are going to play Ring Around the Roses here. And I'm going to go with Chris. Chris, you are the next caller. Just have to unmute. Uh-oh, we lost Chris. It could be an app thing. All right, let's go ahead with Joe. Joe, you are the next caller. Hey, how is it going? How are you? I am doing fantastic. Uh, Hi, Joe. This is the Joe we talked to yesterday at the Workers Strike Back indeed. event. It is indeed, and that was awesome. It was a fun time. Oh, yeah. It was. I am. I walked away super, super invigorated. Oh, and you're going to see um, when when Sabby posts the video from that event, you'll see a, a part where uh, Joe stood up and gave a little talk. It's oh, in there, cool. Joe. Awesome. <laughs> I caught you. Awesome. Uh, so conversely, uh, bringing this all back to the axe that I'm grinding with McGovern, and I already talked about this a little bit with Eric, but so let's talk about our, our elected leaders and where they were yesterday. Uh, Jim McGovern was in Northampton and, uh, he was apparently talking about, um, uh, oh, he was saber rattling with Ukraine and Russia. That's where he was yesterday. Um, so uh, it shows you where his priorities are. Um, I know. Not with the, with the workers, like he says. Yeah. Um, but well, these guys like complete monsters or what, huh, Joe? It's it's you know it's the banality of evil with this guy is what I'm seeing is because he's just been in the background for so long that like he's and he just plays it so milk toast in the middle of the road that he's just gotten by like yeah I, it, it really does seem like 
various politicians have, you know, roles they play. Like uh, AOC or someone will be the lightning rod. Or, uh, you know, Rokana will go out there and jump on the grenade and say, be the one that, like, comes out against this one thing or another when the rest of them aren't. And it, it really just feels like they're just playing roles to me. Um, and yeah, it's like this game, you know, it's like a scripted theater and they all have these certain roles and it's all supposed to play out. But the, the big thing, the big important thing, don't talk about the billionaires, you know. Don't talk about the MIC. Don't don't talk about the corruption. You know that mm-hmm. that's the rule, right? Exactly. Um, and today, in the continuing saga of bugging the crap out of McGovern's office, uh, I spoke with a few, a few more staffers as they were breaking down their parade float right in front of my house. Um, and what was, I what was the parade? Yeah. What was what we have? Uh, the parade in Worcester. For what? Uh, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, it was St. Patrick's Day that just came. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Such a uh, his, <laughs> his, uh, his, off, his float broke down, right? In, or they were breaking it down, getting it, you know, dismantling it right in front of uh, my place. And that was hilarious to me. Um, but I got assurances from, I think, Caitlin, I want to say her name was, that they have somebody on the case following up with uh, my concerns regarding um, uh, well, based on what the guys at RWU said yesterday, bombs rolling through Worcester is effectively the way, what I got away from, took away from that conversation. Um, Nick from RWU, RWU was actually kind enough to give me a ride home back to Worcester so I didn't have to ride the commuter rail, which I think Knowing the state of it could have saved my life. Who knows? Yeah, for those who are not aware, uh, there were two railroad workers that I talked to yesterday at the event. I interviewed, well, I interviewed two of them. Um, so you'll get to hear from them as well. They're a part of Railroad Workers United. So yeah, like there were different union groups and, uh oh, we lost, we lost Joe. I don't know what happened. Um, there were different, uh, union groups that were there and that were present. So, it was it was really a good a good event to attend and like I said like they already announced like next steps and next actions and next events and things like that so for people wondering okay where do we go from here they mentioned all that at the event and I would say to you if you don't have worker strike back chapter in your city start one all you have to do is go onto the website there's an option there for join. There's also an option to like start a chapter. You sign up for it and go ahead and start it. I mean, like the Boston one, I, I was, I was surprised. I thought the turnout was really good. Um, but that's how you get involved. But like you, I think sometimes we may be sitting back waiting for someone to come and get us, but like sometimes we have to be the ones to, to take the initiative. All right, Ashura, I'm bringing you in. Let's try this. Let's see how this goes, Ashura. Go ahead and uh, unmute. There you go. All right. How's it going? Going great. Uh, I got to admit, uh, you're RBN's treasure. You know that? <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, you ever, you ever heard somebody say that, that you're a treasure basically for somebody else? Like, if they fucking lose you, I may have to get on a ticket and go fight Nick, CJ, and Rome at the same time. <laughs> Oh, if you ever leave, and that's the reason. 
I'm gonna have to fight them. Oh, I I, I do a lot of digging. <laughs> yeah, I may have yeah, I may have to get my ass kicked. By the way, I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna win against any of them, especially if Nick is a MMA fighter. <laughs> Well, what's your take on all of this? Um, we were talking about the progressive campaign strategy. That was the case study I did today. How do you feel about doing this all over? Why? It's a waste of fucking time. I mean, uh, um, I think you should talk about Nick. Uh, what was it? I forget who said this. I think it was Karthik that told you last week that you wasted uh, $400 million for a Bernie's campaign. Those those are the two campaigns. They made four he made four hundred million dollars by fleecing people on hopium. And Nick Nick keeps saying one hundred, so you might want to tell him to update that number. And I wouldn't I wouldn't do it again. I mean go I, I'm I you know I don't live in the States. So going to to a party that's not gonna do anything you want, not even just a little bit, so a little bit of crumbs, they won't they won't fucking do that. And uh, what's the point? You might as well just leave and go somewhere else that's going to fight for you on a local level. Yeah, well, the worker wins. I think that's something that like people should really focus on because the workers have been winning. And we've seen this with John Deere. We've seen it with Kellogg. We've seen it with Starbucks. We've seen it with Amazon. We've seen it with, you know, the railroad workers are still fighting. Like there have been wins when it comes to the workers. But when it comes to a progressive movement. Yeah. Um... Yeah, because it's funny because you you mentioned the the the, the so called the progressives. You got you got them uh, Mike Figueredo and uh, Emma Viglund praising Debbie Wasserman Schultz all of a sudden. The same woman that basically uh, fucked Bernie Sanders for for Hillary Clinton, basically trying to smear uh, Matt Taibbi as some as some journalist. I mean, they were praising her. I mean, that should tell you that they're not left. But you know why, though, right? Well, yeah, it's a grift. So, so they they need a new leader. That's why uh, Nick calls them boutique leftists because boutique in French means shop, and you would probably say a boutique leftist is someone that like uh, what's the word? Uh, window shopping. You're window shopping for a new product, aka a new leader. Bernie Sanders is not gonna fucking fight for you. He's never been a fighter. Bernie Sanders I'm is what? Marianne's on sale this week <laughs> to get a good price. Uh, well, I'm not, I'm not buying. I'm sorry. I'm not buying. When, it, when you window shop, you just look at the fucking price tag. You just, oh, fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a big part of the problem is, and I've, I've said this before, like we talked about this earlier today, that a lot of channels did grow significantly during those Bernie campaigns. And then there was also the Justice Democrats uh, project, which also helped people grow. And there was a lot of money to be made there. And I think that this is why I keep saying don't build your channel around uh, a campaign. Don't build it around uh, a campaign strategy. Like, just just don't do it. Because, like I said, if Bernie would have won, things would have been completely different. But they would they, they're not going to let Bernie win, and they're not going to yeah. let anybody like him win because they don't want to disrupt corporate power. And that's a big part of the problem. So it's like if you have these parties that don't want to disrupt corporate power, power and both the Democratic Party mm-hmm. and the Republican Party are on board with that, then someone coming in through those parties as like this progressive candidate that 
wants to disrupt corporate power is not going to stand a chance. And that's why even though some of the members of the squad, like they were able to get in, you notice they're not doing anything in reference to fighting back against corporate greed and power. They still talk about it sometimes. They'll still, you know, have these Instagram videos that they post talking about corruption and things like that. But then they vote differently. So I think that this goes back to what Eric always says is like, until you have to like get the money out, like the money has to be removed from electoral politics. And as long as you have corporate money attached to it, it's going to be really, really difficult to get any type of significant wins for the people. Meanwhile, the people who push that strategy, those people do make money. And I think that's what people really need to understand. And I'm not, I'm not here trying to shame people for making money. But what I am saying is by now we know, we know what the obstacles are. We know that the DNC is not going to let these types of, you know, candidates get through. So if that is the case, why isn't everyone getting on board with jumping behind worker movements and helping the workers and helping the working class? You know why? Because like, like uh, Colin said, that's not sexy. That doesn't do well for the YouTube algorithm. That doesn't make you a lot of money. What does make you money and what does get you a lot of access is having a campaign be a part of your channel. And it, it works. And, and like I said, if, if you're building a network and you want to be like what TYT is, you will have to, you're going to have to eventually at some point get access to politicians in DC and TYT may not have squad members come on like often or whatever, but they do have politicians come on. So the thing is, is like in order to get that access, you got to know someone who knows someone who's willing to vouch for you so that they'll come onto your network. And even then you can't be too hard on them because if you're too hard on them, then they won't come back and they'll tell other politicians not to come back. So I think this is, this is a big part of it. And I think, it was a mistake. I think it's a mistake to to just, I mean, I know we can't go back and change the past, but I think it was a mistake to be so invested in like this, this Bernie strategy, this Justice Democrat strategy, because I feel like no one sat back and said, well, what happens if it doesn't work? Then what do we do? And we uh, saw this after Force the Vote as well. We saw people you know, running cover for them or, or trying to smear Jimmy Dore and say, how dare you tell them to do this? We saw the, the, the segment on Rising where Bree said a call went out and said, don't do it. Well, where did that call come from? That call most likely came from D.C. So you see how quickly some of those channels were that were on board backed off once that call came out. So that's the thing. And it's just like, like, I'm sorry, like, I don't care about having getting access to politicians. I don't care. These people don't. Most of the time, the politicians that I have come on are local people, you know, like but these people in D.C., these people don't do nothing for us. They don't do nothing for people in my community, even the ones that are supposed to be our representatives. Why do I need to bring them on to talk to them about, oh, this is what we need. We need to fight for this. They already know these things. These people are following the money. They are following a career pattern that's going to be profitable and beneficial towards them. And that's the thing about once they get in there. So where do you go from here? And that's why I tell people like we should be focusing on more of these worker movements and trying to help people. And what I like about Worker Strike Back is that is the focus. How can we organize more of these Amazon warehouses? How can we help the railroad workers? The railroad workers stand in solidarity with Worker Strike Back. Are all of the railroad workers socialists? I don't think so. 
but they're willing to sit there and fight for people who are like them. Um, since you brought up the past, and I know you've said this multiple times, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna burst your bubble of hope <laughs> when it comes to alternatives. When it comes to her Bernie Sanders, because I've I've been hearing a lot. People say, "What if Bernie Sanders won?" I mean, seeing how this man works, do you really think he was going to do something for you if he won? You would have had your little euphoria if he won, but when he gets to office, oh, you know he ain't going to do shit. The entire party would be against anything he tries to do. He tries to he tries to shut off the bases in, in around the world. They'd say fucking no. He tried to give mutual aid. He tries to basically give people like uh, Medicare for all. They'd say no. So I don't think Bernie Sanders would be do, he'd be doing anything because Bernie Sanders is a sellout. He's always been a sellout. I mean, you, you did that video about him where he was a radical, and then he something happened when he lost. He, he basically went somewhere. He said he went somewhere, and basically he turned out to be a he went back came back as a liberal. He went from radical to liberal all of a sudden. Right. So, right. So for him, he's 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 basically uh he's captured opposition. Uh, he's he ain't gonna do shit. I mean, poor Marianne, she's going to get shellacked <laughs> once the primaries happen. I'm pretty sure it's going to be an 80% win. Oh, I'm, I'm not 80%. I'm going to be higher. 90% win for Biden. <laughs> and <laughs> once they see that, because people, white people, especially the liberals, they love waiting what black people fucking do, do for politicians. If a, if a politician, uh, black people love a politician, swing heavily towards them, they're going to move where the black people go. And for Biden... I don't think uh, I don't think that's going to happen for Marianne. No, he's already beating her by seventy four percent in the polls. Now, granted, it's not it's not twenty twenty four yet, but but no, that's 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 not going to happen. Bernie really was the best chance. There was multiple times during the twenty twenty election where Bernie Sanders was beating Joe Biden in the polls, multiple times. So I think that again, it's like you know, she doesn't have that same level of popularity and support that Bernie Sanders had. Like people loved Bernie Sanders. And you bring up a point about Bernie Sanders, you know, not doing anything. The the thing to think about is the fact that he is already an insider and he ran, he was already an insider. So at the end of the day, instead of supporting the movement and the people, which is what he said he would do, even if he lost, he cowered to Democrat establishment to keep his place in line and his position on the inside. And this is what it's a lot. Like a lot of these politicians, they want to be on committees. They want to get these other perks that go along mm-hmm. with being an insider. And the reality is like, if you go against the leadership and you support the people, yes, you will be removed. This is what happened to Dennis Kucinich. This is what happened to Cynthia McKinney. Like they pushed those kind of people out. I mean, they they cheated in such a way, and I'm surprised more people don't talk about this. They cheated in such a way to redraw Dennis Kucinich's district so that he could not run again. That is corrupt. Yeah. Well, they did that to AOC, and look how she's turned her tune. Uh, one last thing I was going to say. Uh, remember that thing when they said Bernie Sanders was a sexist? And uh, also Bernie's record and what he did to black people with the crime bill. And uh, I remember when he was running, he was supposed to head to a black state, and he, he, he dumped those people in those black states for a white state. And I've said that Bernie Sanders, he might be low-key racist and he, he might be a sexist himself because what he did to, uh, what's her name? Zephyr Tichow for writing that article about Joe Biden, his good friend and threw her under the bus. And then we had Brianna Joy Gray, a black woman. He basically said, Oh, that's not my press secretary. Uh, she, she's not on the payroll Threw her under the bus also. Yep. 
I mean, I mean, now that they said she was a sexist man, technically now, I mean, that was some, that was a sexist move he did right there for those two women. I'm like, there's no way. The thing no is, way. Ashura, that yeah. strikes a, a, a note with me because I have been saying all along that the entirety of American politics spins on the axis of race. And Bernie Sanders was being called to go to South Carolina during that last primary to drum up support. Because when you go to those Southern states, which are basically red states, you have large black democratic parties and the Democrats can deliver you in the primary, although they get nullified in the general. So it is important. And that's why they move South Carolina to the front of the line with the primaries, because they know that that black vote, which is dominant in the primaries in those southern states, can deliver you the primary. And they want to sweep through there so you will have a big, almost insurmountable lead. And that's why they're talking about moving Georgia. But Bernie Sanders put more effort into California than South Carolina because yeah. California is the emerging stronghold for the Latino vote. And so what they're doing, the whole Democratic Party, a part of their strategy is to replace the um, party dominant black vote with the Latino vote because the Latinos are moving ahead of blacks as the largest minority. And so that's why Joe Biden, when he had that meeting with the so-called Democrat, the black leadership, he said, oh, you all better get ready to work with the Latinos. So it's clear what they're doing, but it's also clear that the entirety of American politics to a certain degree caters towards white people, including their fragility and their angst. They run Bernie Sanders, who is of Jewish descent and supported reparation for the Germanic descendants of the Holocaust, refuse to support reparations for the yeah. American descendants of slaves. And it is not because philosophically he doesn't agree with reparations. It's because he knows that poor white people and white people otherwise are very resistant to reparations for the black people. And that all the way back to the post-Civil War when they turned their backs on Reconstruction and allowed Jim Crow to take root. Everybody does it. The Democrats do it. Trump came out and said, oh, you're the forgotten man. He spoke directly to white American angst. And both parties play that same thing. And the Democrats are doing their best to try and get away from the necessity of the black vote by drumming up the Latino vote, but it's more difficult because some Latinos identify as Latino white versus yeah. Latino people of color. And, or uh, uh, one, I'm going to basically end here and just uh, leave with a question. If Marianne fucking loses, do you think she has a chance in 2024 after I don't know how much money she's going to basically amass from 2024 because they're basically window shopping. Bernie Sanders has a $400 million uh, wealth that he built from suckering people. Um, how much do you think Marianne is going to get from getting suckered by Marianne, even though she's not going to run? She's not going to do a dirty break whatsoever. She's going to bend the knee. Uh, 
come 2028, which is going to be like a free for all, do you think that Kamala's going to be, it's going to be Kamala versus her, or it's going to be people who just, my money's on Pete and Kamala? I think it will be Pete and Kamala. I think they've been priming them for a while. I, I think it'll be like those two that'll, that'll try to run. And also, Rokana could be a possibility as well. So don't sleep on Rokana because I think there's a reason why he's doing all these interviews um, and making sure that he keeps his name in the press as, as far as I've seen. But I think, uh, Noel, you have a really good point when you bring up the part about the Latino vote because this is very true. For African-Americans, we're only 13% of the population. Latino Americans um, have a higher percentage of the population than we do. And even um, AOC herself said recently that the Democratic Party cannot ignore the Latino vote. And she felt like a lot of the people in her district, I guess, felt like they were being ignored by the Democratic Party. But this is very true because I told you guys last year, if you look at the numbers, black people are leaving the Democratic Party. Some of them are going to the Republican Party. Some of them are just leaving the two-party system altogether. That doesn't look good for the Democrats, right? So who can they pander to next? To say, okay, let's get the Latino vote. Let's focus more on immigration. Let's show them that, you know, we really care a lot about them and their needs. The problem that they run into, though, especially also with the Latino vote, is the fact that some Latino Americans are conservative and more so than black Americans. There are some black Americans that are conservative, but not as many uh, when you compare them to Latino Americans. And so that is a big thing. And this is going to be over the years, you are going to see a shift. And this is why I keep telling people, why do you keep voting for them if they are constantly showing you that they're not going to help your communities and they're constantly keeping you in a police state and an impoverished state? And people have convinced themselves that they need to do so because they don't want to end up with the Republican or they don't want to end up with another Trump. And this is a big part of the problem. So they'll hold on to the black vote for as long as they can until they capture that Latino vote. And then they won't need us anymore. And then it won't matter if they come to our neighborhoods to campaign or not. And the reality is they aren't delivering anything for us anyway. The only thing they deliver is gatekeepers and grifters who keep us in line, marching to the Democratic Party and getting nothing. Every other demographic has demands. The Latinos made demands around immigration. You know, the gays and the LGBTQ community made demands around gay marriage. But the black community is, every time you mention reparations, everybody goes into his, you know, histrionics. And the reality is neither of these parties is going to deliver anything for the working class. It ha Neither party has not delivered anything for the masses of poor and working poor since the 1950s. They just are not going to do it. And it is incumbent upon all of the working class to wake up to that reality. You're only going to be pitted against each other. We see now the Republicans are, oh, doing this anti-woke thing. Oh, you know, a boy is a boy, a girl is a girl. We're not going to teach critical race theory. But they're playing to the culture wars again because that ranks with the working class white poor who see those things as threats. So, 
I just, you know, Marianne is not going to win this time, but they need a shepherd. They need someone to speak to that progressive part of the liberals of the Democrat Party to reel them in like Bernie did. Because, I mean, what what is Joe Biden going to say or offer? He can't say or offer anything because he has not delivered on the things that he promised last time. But if you put a Marianne out there and she talks about the importance of, you know, Medicare for all or minimum wage and this and that, then if she can build any support, at the end of the day, they fold her into the Big Ten and she says, oh, but, you know, I promised I would do anything to prevent, you know, the other side from getting in. So, yes, we all have to get behind Joe Biden. After all, he did do some good things and he's right on Ukraine and all that BS. It really is a plantation. And like you say, to those in independent media who grew their platforms on the coattails of the movement behind Bernie Sanders, they entered the democratic orbit and they're going to do anything in that they have to, to stay within that orbit. And they're not, they don't see themselves. I don't think they even see themselves as activists. They see themselves as media persons and they see themselves as in that democratic orbit. And like you say, they're going to do what it takes to maintain access. And that's the type of access journalism and it's monetized and, and they're running with it. So on the whole, money has corrupted the entire system. And it is money and capitalism that has transformed or really solidified this place as a plantation. All you can do is show up to work. When Ro Khanna was talking about the collapse of that bank, he spoke about the businesses and them not having access to their money to run payroll and oh, they're, they're working on important things like cancer, this and that. But this was still a representative speaking on behalf of the elite class whose money might get tied up and lost. And he was almost in a panic. But you never well, get really, that type well, of really showed you who he cares about, huh? He showed us who he it cares about. It showed you who he cares about. And the thing is, nobody speaks like that on behalf of the working class Americans. They just don't. And, you know, but on the flip side, you have the Fed chair saying, oh, we're going to increase interest rates and we're going to increase them at a faster rate and bigger because we want to tamp down on, you know, inflation through increasing unemployment. But they don't want the unemployed to be those people out in California who got businesses and who may have to close their businesses. It's OK for the unemployment to increase from working class people. But when he says we're going to increase the interest rates quicker to increase unemployment, he's talking about poor working people. But mm -hmm. starting to see this backlash, this feedback loop between the increased interest rates that's making it difficult for the banks. So now it's a whole different program. So are you still going to increase interest rates now that you know it's creating a problem for the banks? 
Or are you what are you going to do? There are other ways to deal with inflation. But but they're not open to those. Professor Wolf talks about it all the time. You can do a price freeze. Oh, but they dare not do that. It's it's all a plantation gas. Thank you so much, Noel. Let's go ahead and bring in Maria. Maria, you are on the mic. You just have to unmute. Just got to hit the uh, unmute button. I think it's just, it's one of those things for me where I'm just like, like I said, like, there are movements, there are actions, and then there are also businesses. And sometimes there can be movements that are also a business. And that's what happened with Black Lives Matter, right? We saw what happened with the organization. It became a business. It became profitable. And that that's unfortunate. Like, movements should not become profitable. What's going on, Maria? Oh, we can't hear you. You're unmuted, but we can't hear you. I can try to make you a speaker. What is that? The speaker mentioned it. I gave also. I, I can't. Yeah, I really can't hear you. Let me try to make you. I'll invite you to speak, Maria. Um, sometimes that solves the problem. Like if people are in the calling queue and they can't speak or it's not working. And the other thing I, I'll say, whether we're waiting to see if we get Maria or the next caller is, um, is that when they talk about these losses, right? Oh, the banks had losses or, or Wall Street had losses. I mean, that money isn't being lost. I mean, this money never disappears. When, whenever they talk about losses, what that what we need to be sure we hear, what that really means, what we're hearing is that money went up to the billionaire class, went up to that top point one percent. So all these losses are just are just them raking in that money. And the other thing about that whole bank one I say is, is is basically billionaires robbing millionaires is what's happening with that bank, with that mm-hmm. bank, <laughs> and those those poor pitiful millionaires and 10 millionaires, you know, or <laughs> the poor babies. <laughs> and notice how, again, the CEO made sure that he took, he sold all of his stocks. He got his. Exactly. The day before, which I think that should honestly be illegal, but. Uh, there's so much here that should be illegal. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. it's just a mess. Okay, Maria, I don't know what's happening. Um, I'll invite you to to speak. If you get back in the queue, I invited you as a speaker. So if you accept that, you'll be a speaker. Um, Other than that, if you get back in the queue, I'll come back to you. Let's go ahead and bring in um, CR. All right, CR, what's going on? Hey, how's it going, y'all? Going great. How are you? I'm doing okay. A lazy Sunday. Can't complain too much. Just hiding in here from the rain. Try not to go insane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing, the thing with 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 Marianne, I think is 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 a, a horrible, disingenuous thing right off the bat. That's happening is, is obviously a thing that that everybody's kind of pointed out already. It's like, isn't it kind of a waste of time? Didn't we try this already? Um, is again, is it's a built in all the assumptions 
that you know like the, the the majority reports and those kind of people do that the only thing that you can do is electoral politics the only thing you can do is run inside of the democratic you know what i mean there's all these implicit things that they're implying with even like kind of propping her run up at all or, or giving any any air to it you, you know what i mean so it's it, it it shows this this horrible disconnect from like the people that like we're probably in this room versus those kind of people you know we we all feel like you know we, we've been burned you know twice by the bernie movement and we're not going to get burned a third time you know and 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 they're over there acting like nobody got burned see that's that that's where i think there's we're arguing at each other right now but we're arguing right past each other does that make sense yeah what do you mean when you say um explain what do you mean when you say uh nobody got burned no, the people like the majority report type of people, they're, mm -hmm. they're treating all, all of us, you know, uh, uh, lefties and, and progressives and all the kind of people in that, in that kind of space as if we didn't get totally burned by the, the Bernie movement. Like, oh, it's okay, just go for the next, the next anointed Bernie uh, person in line, part of the Bernie movement, Marianne. She came out of the, that same thing, and she's for a lot of the same policies, so, like, let's just put our attention there. And, and it, it, it ignores the fact that the rest of us, like you, me, and probably most everybody in this room are fucking hurting. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, if you give me a minute to, 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 to illustrate what I mean, like I might've said this story recently, but I'll say it again. If you remember the bird that landed on Bernie's podium, I fucking cried, man. You know, that, like, I'm not that kind of person to like be like that, but like, I wasn't like bawling my eyes out, but you know, I, I get choked up by a couple of tears run down my face and, and you know you're just looking at this beautiful man with this beautiful message and, and and it was like literally like being fucking your heart broken from a lover you know what i mean so the the the, the pain and 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 the just the fucking waste of working people's money you know what i mean is 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 so fucking raw still for a lot of us and these cocksuckers want to go out there and pretend like nothing happened to us like we all didn't get fucking burned by this fucking bullshit like we all didn't get fucking sheepdog right into voting for Jim Crow fucking Joe. I mean, and worse than fucking Donald Trump on paper, on paper. I could show you the fucking 40 years of fucking legislation that proves he's fucking worse than Donald Trump. We had that shit because they fucking took our energy to want to change shit. And they say, I'm getting all fucking, ugh. you know what I mean? This is what I'm saying here is it's like, it's like when somebody slaps you in the face and, and you start to tear up and they're like, oh, shut up. I'll give you, don't, don't fucking tear up. I'll give you something to cry about. That's what these fucking people are doing to us right now. They're treating us like you just, like, like, like Noelle is bringing up, like they don't have to worry about giving anything to the fucking black community. You'll come along. We fucking own your ass. You know what I mean? They, they treat us like we're fucking nothing, man. Like, like they can just keep stepping on our fucking balls every fucking time, spit and piss in our fucking face and then pretend like, no, 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 no. Not only do we not spit and piss in your face, we did good things. We did great things. We moved the movement farther along and now Marianne's the future of the movement. So come along, kitties. You, 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 that's the kind of pain that they're not acknowledging with this kind of just fucking bullshit. This, this standard status quo shit. And you know what, CR, I can hear the pain in your voice like when you're when you're speaking about it. I, I think it's very it's very raw. And I, I think a lot of people are having like those kind of flashbacks. And I think when you mentioned that they're acting like nobody got burned, the problem is they didn't get burned. They made oh, yeah. money off of this, like they profited off of it. I mean, Bernie Sanders went on to write another book. 
it's, it's just like, like, that's the thing. They were able to profit off of it. And the rest of us, we lost, I lost money supporting Bernie Sanders. I didn't get anything in return. I know, I know many of my friends, uh, just, just dudes that I never uh, even thought politically motivated in their life. They're like, yeah, I just gave 200 bucks to Bernie. And I'm like, wait, what? You did? Yeah, fucking, he's, he's cool, man. Like that was that was the feeling back then in 2016. Like dudes that didn't fucking ever turn on the news would chuck a couple hundred dollars at him just because yep. like of the little bit of his message that they heard. You know and that's I mean? the point I continue to make. When My you raise hope, they can't afford it. When you raise hope amongst people who have been hopeless and you get people to get involved in a process that they had not got involved in, when you betray them, they are psychologically worse off than before they even got involved because people feel like a fool. Yeah. Because this like their instinct is not to trust you anyway. Then they take a chance. They contribute. You're talking the right things. And then you turn around and tell them, oh, support Hillary. She, the secretary would be a good, a fine president. Joe Biden is my friend. That type of betrayal leaves people worse off than when they first started. That's a very good point, Noel. Um, I'll also add this. I think that even after Obama uh, second term, I was just kind of like, yeah, fuck the system. I'm, I'm, I'm so done with the system. Then Bernie came along and made me believe again. So you see what I mean? I actually would have just been better off to Noel's point. Maybe I just would have been better off if I had stuck with my fuck the system mentality and didn't buy into the whole Bernie Sanders campaign or like movement uh, that happened there. Uh, what's going on, Maria? Can you can you, can hear, you hear me now? Me? I can hear you. Uh, fine. It's my first time, so I wasn't sure what the options were. So when you are telling me to do X and X, Y, Z. Thank you. Okay, so what's your take on all of this, Maria? We were talking about uh, the progressive campaign uh, strategy. We did a little case study earlier today, and we were talking about how what happened before in the past with the Bernie Sanders campaigns and Justice Democrats and how it led to where we are today and this whole idea of running Marianne Williamson and her not having that same type of popularity as Bernie Sanders. And we talked about like how we, those of us who donated, we lost time, we lost, you know, money and, and energy, whereas it seems like the people who actually started the strategy to begin with, uh, those channels, they actually profited pretty well. Uh, absolutely the fact. And I also supported Bernie in 2016, and I gave him more than $500 just because I believed in his message. But once he gave our votes to HRC, that's when I saw his true self. And then when I digged more in his past, I didn't vote for him the second time, but I voted green instead. But uh, so everything you guys saying is true, but I think we're being too emotional about it. And that's why I like your show because you're very much data driven and you bring receipts to uh, back up what you're saying and what you're seeing. And I think unless people stop being emotional, we will resolve nothing because we're being played. Mm. You see? And if I, 
personal. Um, I think it's, I think. So that's the reason. biggest issue I see. And the only reason I see it is just because I've been um, gifted that I come from the outside of the U.S., meaning that I didn't grow up here. And I travel a lot so that I can just see uh, all the people that are different from me in the world and how they live and et cetera. And so I've lived under very different systems. And in a nutshell, what's going on here in the United States is what happened uh, with Europe. If you understand the EU, I think it was created in the 80s to take over all of Europe as a bloc. And so now Europe is governed by a set of non-elected oligarch. Uh, the reason I'm bringing that up is because before Europe, they also took over what they call the third world. And so um, there's a bigger picture than just us, but we're too much in our emotions to see ourselves as part of a bigger game being played on us. And so they're using divide and conquer. So they're turning all of us against each other. And that's why I believe that's why they're using transgenders this time around against the bigger group. Just like a long time ago, they used blacks as um, everybody to hate on the or to hate on the blacks. And now is to hate on the transgenders they're using them and also on the white male but uh people have to understand um so a lot of things people are talking about today is true but a lot of it also is not true but it's true because of the emotions because mm -hmm. they're creating those situations so to have an emotional reaction from us so we can act the way they want us to act so I'll stop it there, but I would like to know, if possible, how I can reach you so I can share with you information about um, medical and Medicare so that you can use facts when you discuss universal health or health care for, for all. Yes, uh, you can just email me. That's the, the best way to reach me. Okay. Um, I'll put oh my, my email in the chat. So it's also um, in the description of my my videos as well. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening. Thanks so much, Maria. You're welcome. Go ahead, CR. Yeah, I'm not, I, I'll, I'll just uh, assume that, that it wasn't directed direct, <laughs> directly at me about being emotional. But generally, I would tend to agree with the, the statement that you don't want to let the narrative managers manage your your emotions in, in, in a way that, that ends up ultimately being more beneficial to them than it is to you and your cause. So totally, I'll agree with that. My emotions in particular <laughs> make me specifically want to go after the system and burn it down. So I highly doubt that they're getting my, my emotions manipulated in the way that they would desire to have them manipulated. But again, that's, that's uh, neither here nor there. Um, the one thing though that was has brought up to before, which I think is, it sounds like a small thing, but I, I, I think that maybe help me here if I'm crazy or not, but all these different groups not mentioning workers strike back, 
not mentioning the the code pink code pink has got uh uh, uh anti-war rally thing coming up soon you know the rage against the there's these people that claim to be on the left claim to be on our, on our side stuff like that and then they don't do these things and we kind of like oh why can't you tweet why couldn't you mention you said in your show and most people are kind of like you know they're busy or it, it seems like a trivial thing but i think this is really 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 telling that these people don't ever show up anywhere the squad isn't showing up anywhere you know what i mean none of these people are even taking the time to tweet out like hey maybe you should check out this thing you know maybe some of the people you know there's just there's just nothing like i mean i thought these people tried to swoop in when uh um <clears throat> when christian smalls got the the union victory and then here comes aoc and all of them going like yeah yeah we always supported you and da-da-da, we're super pro union get your photo up and then disappear you know what yeah. I mean? Marianne Williamson's is not mentioning any of the things that matter to us on the left, not showing any solidarity with any of these movements. And then you want to ask the left for our vote. I, I, to me, this is like, a, am I the only person that's seeing this like a huge blaring red flag? Look, I'll say I don't see any of these people out when I go to DC for direct action events. I don't see any of these people. Like, I really don't. I, I've been there, what, multiple time now for direct action, plus some of the events here in Boston. But they've been invited. They, they've all been invited. And especially with the Julian Assange events, you know, that's something I think, for the most part, all of us can get on board with is Julian Assange. But even when it comes to those Assange events, it's like you have people who are right there in that D.C. area and they, they've been invited and they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be there, da, da, da. And they don't show up. These people don't, these people don't come to stuff. Like, and then it's not even that. It's like, even if you can't make it, okay, if you're not an activist and you don't feel that's your space, okay. But you do have a platform and you could at least mention it on your show. Because the thing is, is this, if you can shout out other podcasters, you can shout out a damn march. You know, you feel me? 100%. So like, that's. You. Yeah, that's my thing. If you can shout out a podcaster, which I've seen them do, you can shout out a damn march. And if you're not shouting out the march, why is that? If the march is going to cross your line, they're not going to shout out that march. If, like you say, if it's about money and they're getting their money through the Democratic orbit, they know where the fault lines are. And if a call went out to say, don't do this, you know, calls are going out saying, um, we going to leave that alone. <laughs> and that's what they. Yeah, totally. But isn't, isn't that the, but that's all the more evil. This is the more, all the more thing that this makes is a really huge red flag for me because they're, they're fronting as being on the side of the worker. They're fronting on being on the side of left causes. And then you have these good left causes starting to gain a little bit of traction like some of the, the union movements and, and some of the anti-war protests and stuff like that, and just fucking crickets from these people. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, but then here's the pernicious part, though. Then when it comes to campaign time, they'll solicit your donations for their channels. They'll solicit donations for their politicians. They'll tell you to go donate to Marianne Williamson and all that kind of stuff like that, who will then again pay lip service to fighting for the worker. So again, this is the part that really bothers me. It's not just that like, oh, we're bad politicians. Oh, we're feckless and ineffectual. Oh, we got a call from up top and we have to listen to what Mama Bear says. You are taking workers fucking money, you fucking ghouls. You're taking working people's money 
and you're fucking flushing it on your goddamn vanity project. I'm sorry, but this shit just gets me so more irate. I think it's not just it's not just that these people are just being shitty and they're playing standard dem politics. This is literally inhumane. We're suffering so much right now in this country. And to, to, to just tell your viewers, to tell your followers, give us fucking money and we'll get the politicians in there that are going to help you. And they know for fucking damn sure that they're not going to fucking help us. <laughs> and that they know for damn sure that we flushed hundreds of millions of dollars down the, the tube before. So to me, this is beyond than just taking orders from somebody from a smoke filled room. This is literally having no fucking heart left. This is a little CR. Oh, sorry. In your fucking soul. Uh, C- CR. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, um, where in California are you at? San Francisco, Oakland. LA? Oakland. Right across, oh. the, right across the bridge from San Francisco. Okay, because, all right, so um, the, the bill that your governor signed into law that um, gives uh, uh, home rule to local localities to start their own uh, municipal public bank, I think that was an allowance of uh, 10, like you can have 10 pub- municipal public banks in your, uh, in, in California, right? So I know that they passed by a veto, the, the uh, I think it's San, yeah, San Francisco passed one. That'll be interesting because that's where rent is real high and we could see how, um, how uh, a public bank can combat that. So that'll, that'll be like real interesting, right? Um, and they also, the city council also passed one to veto-proof majority, not LA, but another, oh, San, oh I forgot the other, what, what's another thing in California? Ah, it was, it was, it was another one, but. Um, Berkeley is <laughs> Say it again? Is it Berkeley? Yeah, um, no, it's a popular I, I, I like it. I forgot it was a, it was another it was another place, but um, I know there, there was but anyway there, there was two right. So here's something that you can do: you can um, possibly uh, uh, look at see what's going on where you're at because I know there has to they gave an Newsom gave an allowance of like ten, okay, and. See if you could maybe could start get one of the city council, whatever the case, one to start one in Oakland, okay? And maybe you could get on the. Um, I mean, I know it might seem like a small thing or whatever the case is, but maybe you could be maybe sit on the board. And, and the reason why I say that is this: the only way a public bank can be anchored to the community and serve the public interest, whether it's the environmental interest or the community interest. Or you know, uh, uh, or what you know, the, the the grassroots interest, or whatever the case is, is they have to have people from the community on there, um, with with um, uh, left wing bird man. I, I'll be right with you. Um, what do you call it? On on there to not really combat, but to make sure that those that know how to run a bank or have a have a background in um, financing are like tempered. You, you see what I'm saying? Just like totally. if you were, yeah. if you remember Sabrina when we was on the thing with with um, Etheridge, right? Eldridge, where um, someone was on there. I forgot who it was, but someone had said, uh, "Yeah, because there was this thing where um, some other group or something like that." He was saying, "Where, yeah, the community had input 
but the people running the show didn't pay attention to us. That's when I was making the the thing to the the, um, the argument to the senator about those in the community need to be on the board of a public bank and have decision making powers and outnumber those who know how to run a bank. You see what I'm saying? So Correct. someone someone like you from the community CR, you, you could be, you know, on the board of that. You know what I'm saying? It, it might seem like, you know, like, oh, we're talking about this, but I'm telling you, if you make it work here, then that can be the push for a California public bank. You, you see what I'm saying? So okay. there's steps you can do to um, to push toward that. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's things that you can do to, um, you know, find out if they're pushing one in in um in in oakland you know and um yeah i'll just can i just say something really quick um cr have you seen did you get a chance to see the the episode i did friday with um phil from the philly public the public bank coalition peter winslow oh peter sorry i keep wanting to call him phil peter winslow peter from philly don't no, I don't. If I did, I, I I did. I just checked in while I was working and was had it on the background. Didn't uh... okay. Well, the clip should post tomorrow, and when that clip posts tomorrow, I recommend checking it out because we actually show all the cities in the United States that are actually fighting for a public bank right now. And there were a couple in California. I remember L.A. was there off the top of my head. Um. But you can join and you can like help get involved. And this is why I tell people, because I know national politics can be very, it can be very stressful and depressing, to be honest with you, because we only have so much control. But when it comes to local politics, there's a lot more that we can do. And that's why I tell people to try to get involved on the local level, even if it's not electorally, you can still get involved in something like Shama Sawant's Workers Strike Back. And that's how you can help because like, honestly, like I've said before, it really doesn't matter who gets elected if the workers are still being screwed, screwed over and the workers right now are still being screwed over. Oh, and don't let them do a feasibility study either. I see that there was one, I'm looking at one on the Public Banking Institute's website right now where they're talking about Oakland and 2016, they had a feasibility study. People be aware of feasibility studies. It's stonewalling. Don't mean testing what you want them. is a business plan because the feasibility study is, oh, well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, commit to seeing if it'll work and so on and so forth. But the business plan is, oh, we're going to do it. We just trying to figure out how to do it. You see what right. I'm saying? I right. want to make sure, um, yeah. I move on to other callers, but hang in there, CR. Yeah, no, I, I I apologize for again. I just this this these people, man. It's like I said. It's I, I know that a lot of people think I'm just talking about the managed theater aspect of this that we're all very aware of. So it does sound like I'm kind of beating a dead horse, but I'm talking about a fundamental issue with with people's consciousness. You know what I mean? There's 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 this these this is a this is a real issue here, and I do think that we have to start recognizing it as not just being uh, politics as usual. That, you know what I mean? Like there's a, the, the, all of our gadgets, all of our isolated lives, all of our Uber Eats and Amazon delivery shit, keeping us locked up and away from each other has, has done a really number on us. And, and we seem to have forgot how to just give a shit uh, about each other again. And, and I, I hate to beat that, that dead horse, but I just, this on my last way out. That's, I just want to say, just, uh, we gotta find compassion for people, even people we hate. Thanks. Thank you so much for that, CR. 
All right, let's go ahead and bring in uh, John. John, you are on the mic. You just have to hit unmute. Hello. Hello. Well, I can hear the background, John, but we don't hear your voice. That might be my background. Oh, pause it. Can you uh, mute yes. yourself for a second, Roger? Yes, yes. John, if it's your first time on, um, there's a mute button down in the left bottom corner. You have to. Oh, wait, you are unmuted. Let me see if I if I make you a speaker that might work. I don't know why the mic, uh, the app does that, but for some reason, some. OK, go ahead and mute yourself, Hello? John, and then. OK, I can hear you. Oh, yeah. This is my first time ever on a call in. I'm kind of new to this. Well, welcome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I don't have much to say. It's just uh, kind of uh, off the dome here and stuff. But, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm a fan of uh, your show. And I've, um, I, I've the last, I guess, few episodes, I've been listening into this call-in. And uh, I hope everybody um, has constructive things to say. And hopefully, uh, you know, Uh -oh. oh, John, I think you're breaking up a little bit. Uh, you're still breaking up, I think. Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay, yeah, but that, that's all I have to say. I may talk uh, next time in the call-in. Okay, all right, thank you. Okay. S Sabrina. Oh. Yeah. All right, so somebody just put in the chat a link. So, CR, if you're still there, uh, hear this. So, um, Public Bank East Bay. Public Bank East Bay expects to open by 2024 or early 2025 and will be a transformative institution that keeps our money local, allowing local governments to divest from Wall Street and reinvest its profits back into our community. Public Bank East Bay's initial loan policies will support affordable housing development, provide support for small businesses, especially for marginalized entrepreneurs, finance the renovation and electrification of existing buildings and help cities and counties refinance their municipal debt. Breaking news! On February 21st, 2023, the city of Richmond unanimously passed a set of comprehensive res resolutions which commit Richmond to working with Oakland and Berkeley to create the corporation which will own the bank. As one of its last actions of 2022, the Oakland City Council approved our viability study and directed its city administration administrator to move forward with planning how the city will participate in the bank. So, CR, if you're still there, whoever put that in the link, click it. That's awesome. That's really good news. Thanks so much for that, Roger. Okay, Gator, what's your take on all of this? Hi, yeah. Um... I actually agree with somebody else in the chat here. And I, um, so uh, about kind of, are we just saying a lot of the same stuff over again, right? Um, I wanted to kind of put something out 
to float about the, the near future. And the caveat being that a lot of people will hear what I'm about to say and somebody is going to accuse me of being partisan supporter of either Donald Trump or RFK. And I'm basically neither, but I need to use those two people as an example of a way to possibly consider the future in the context of recent past. So we all accept that basically the system is what this other guy described as managed theatre, um, because any party political system that presents to you a candidate is presenting a managed choice of person, and that person is mo most mainly co-opted. And the evidence of their co-option is in where their money comes from. I mean, AOC is just a shill who is designed to replace Bernie Sanders in capturing the millennial-esque, um, left-leaning, left, self-identifying pseudo-left voter, isn't she? That's what she is. And, and, and an example of her being that is that in the Twitter congressional hearing of where the JJ Gaddy, Roth and the two others turned up, she flat out lied in presenting information in that congressional hearing to give those four Twitter heads an escape path. If you watch it, you will see it. The Democratic Party in the recent congressional hearing with Taibbi and Schellenberger spent their entire time doing the same tactics, right? Now, that aside, if what we should be considering <clears throat> is the recent past, and, we, and I'll use Donald Trump as the example. I've said this in another forum before, so if anybody's heard this before, forgive me for being repetitive, but most people here I don't think I've said this to. Donald Trump represents a, a, an individual who was capable semi-independently of getting into the political system because he basically didn't need to take that much money from many other people, which set him apart from basically every other um, politician. Now, obviously he wasn't taken seriously and he was misinterpreted by the media and then got loads of basically beneficial coverage and eventually, look, what, what happened, happened. What did the deep state do or, or any of the any of the uniparty who didn't like him? They destroyed him on the basis of lies, which we now know are actually provable lies. Russiagate, the basis for the indictments, January the 6th, they're all completely fabricated perception management narratives, right? Which, which means that as voters who don't like Donald Trump, we all have to go back and ask ourselves, how did we feel about Donald Trump and why did we feel that? Right. So if we all thought he was the next that he was the next Adolf Hitler, there's absolutely zero evidence that that's true. Right. Even proved in court via via and via the Mueller um, uh, reports. That's just not true. Right. And the Grey Zone have done a really good write up an article where they summarized some of the very big and numerous policy stances that he took, which I mean, even shocked me because I've always wondered what did Donald Trump do in office that was any different to anyone who went before him? Because I say that it doesn't matter. The figurehead doesn't matter. Right. Actually, it turns out that Donald Trump did some weird stuff. Right. He actually tried to reduce pretty much most of the war footing and activity that Britain, that America was in. But he also did a load of other stuff. And basically, Grey Zone's point is the reason why Donald Trump was always destroyed and attacked was because he was a threat to the deep state with his general policy approach, because he was undermining 
American colonial imperialist agenda. And therefore, everything that happened to him is a result of, uh, of, of trying to stop him from being that. Okay, so I'm sorry to go on. So if we bring it to today, we're in a weird situation because the Democrats or the Uniparty or whatever it is you want to call that group, the deep state, have given Donald Trump the literally a free campaign this time around. They've made a massive mistake because all of the things that they have done to destroy him have been um, like that have now been proven to be false, have been proven false in this lull period where he's not the candidate. He's not in power. Right. And now he's got two years essentially to go and use that information to build a con uh, uh, to, to build a, a campaign. His campaign so far is running on really obvious stuff like freedom of speech, the destruction of the deep state and all these things. But it all ties to proof that he can say, I can prove the deep state exists because these are the people who attacked me. I can prove that I they lied and they are liars because everything they said about me was a lie. And here's the proof. Now, that is an own goal for the Uniparty, for the Democrats and whatever, because because he is going to land huge amounts of sympathy from the average working guy, no matter what colour you are. OK, now, fortunately for the deep state, the Electoral College vote and the populist votes aren't connected entirely. So there's still a chance to sub, um, corrupt his chances again. Now, in opposition to him, who's going to come up? Well, DeSantis. OK, he's a neocon draft pick if you look at his military background. Now, and, and he has the benefit of essentially doing the right thing in COVID. Everything DeSantis did was pretty much correct. And he was also politically shrewd because he didn't try to say the vaccines are bad, don't take them. He just left that to everybody's free choice. And that was the rightest thing to do politically and probably medically. Right. But he's a neocon draft pick. So he will be backed by the Uniparty in preference over Donald Trump. Now, I would argue, my understanding is that RFK Jr. is about to launch uh, a campaign, right? And, and I've got to admit, <clears throat> when I think about it hard, if I was an American voter, I would back him. And the problem for that, for, for some people with that, is that they still see him as basically being a conventional uh, and also the fact that he's previously endorsed pretty much every Democratic draft, number one draft pick makes him untrustworthy. Right. Now, the thing about RFK is this. If you look at his actions as a man and his stance as a man, because he's not a politician, certainly in the last three years, he has done everything right in terms of COVID and the vaccines. He is absolutely on the money with everything that that, that, that is about. And he's also one of the few lawyers who have ever taken Big Pharma to task in court and beat them. And he's trying to do that with COVID. That's totally in keeping with citizens' interests. Also, his legacy is incredible. He knows that the CIA killed his father and he has forgiven Sahan Sahan because he knows that Sahan Sahan was framed. One of his other siblings agrees as well, with that as well, but funnily enough, his other siblings don't. That's how difficult a position he's been prepared to take in analyzing his own father's death, right? And that means that he is anti-CIA. Now, what's going to be interesting to me is whether or not Donald Trump 
and or RFK, if he runs, ends up active, actually running on an independent ticket, because that would, there's, there's, there's political sense to doing that. But all of this I'm driving towards is this one thing. We need to ask ourselves, really, how is our perception of reality, political reality, determined? And if we look at the Twitter files, and you should, be, don't be as dumb as to just look at the mainstream media reporting, which all tries to sideline it on, on attacking Matt Taibbi or how he got the stuff or calling him an Elon Musk shill. That's all completely false narrative perception management. Look at what is inside the Twitter files and then ask yourself, where do you get your information from? Where do you get your opinions from? Where do you get your news from? If it goes anywhere near the propaganda machine, what is your perception of reality based upon? And, and that's why Donald Trump is a, is, a, is a true test of this. If you hated Donald Trump for any of the reasons which have been proven to be false, you've, you've had your head bent by the system. And how does that affect everything you do politically in the future? I'm not saying Donald Trump's good, bad or ugly. I couldn't give a shit about Donald Trump as an individual or as a president, right? I only use him as a, now a, a point that proves how much we are having our heads bent by the systems. And therefore, every single person you see going through the party political system, even including RFK, because he's going to have to get money from somewhere, you have to look at them and go, how can I even begin to tell for a second how, how manipulated they are and therefore how manipulated I am, no matter what colour they are? Barack Obama being the perfect example of the ultimate, the ultimate PSYOP president. That's, that's so me, roughly me, what me, I need to say. Yeah, let me ch chime in here for just a second. Um, I, I hear what you're saying about in reference to the deep state and about the government agencies and corruption. Um, I've covered the Twitter files pretty extensively uh, on my show. Most people that I've spoken to in reference to their disdain for Donald Trump is not because he called out the deep state. It's because of his rhetoric that he had when he was in office and also on the campaign trail. But it's, it's not about the deep state rhetoric, if that makes sense. It's more about some of the comments that he said, as we like to say, he was without filter, like he had no filter. Yeah. He was thinking out loud. And what yeah. they didn't like is like, and I, I tried to bring this to people's attention back then, None of the things that Donald Trump said was surprising to me. It's not that I haven't heard people make those statements before in my own life. The difference is the reason why the Democratic Party and for the most part, the Republican Party establishment had a problem with it is because he was saying the quiet part out loud. And that's what they didn't like about Donald Trump. They want people to be a little bit more covert, not overt, And that's what turned them off uh, by him. But I get what you're saying about the fact that those issues that the DNC tried to go after him for, such as Russiagate, et cetera, those have been proven false. And now, and I, I did mention this as well, uh, I played a video where he made a speech recently and he was calling out the CIA, the FBI, like all of them. And then this is, this was actually during the same time that the Twitter files were being released. And I said, 
it's interesting because this is actually the message that Bernie Sanders should have been saying. He should have been calling out those government agencies. And there's examples from history that you could point to. You did have the family recently that just said that um, they are suing the FBI and the NYPD and the CIA for the murder of Malcolm X. It's come out within the past two years that Fred Hampton was killed by the FBI. Like all this stuff is coming out now, yeah. even though a lot of us knew this. We knew this yeah. anyway. But Can I just add as well, because I was just at reminding people, MLK's murder has been admitted to have involved the FBI and the civil case in that in MLK's murder found in favor of the family. People, that's not that's not commonly ever discussed. So it's another case where we go, yeah, the, the real, the story we believed about, um, the story we were told about MLK and all these other icons being murdered is false. And uh, given enough time, basically the system admits that it murdered our icons. That's That's what's happening here. So basically, the point that you're trying to drive home is the fact that the Democrats actually missed the mark on this by allowing someone like Donald Trump to shape to take that same narrative at a time when the FBI and the CIA are not popular because of all the information that has been released in the past two years. Mm, not quite. I'll try, sorry to go. Sorry to talk so long. I'll try and distill it to as few sentences as possible. Let's go for four sentences. We all know that our system in whichever country in the West is a uniparty. There is no real um, actual separation, right? It's a uniparty using deep state organs like the FBI, the CIA and every, every other agency to directly manipulate truth and, and constantly produce a, a false narrative. We know that. I mean, CR has just been you know, going on in that respect. Um, and the only people who can actually, as a figurehead, um, do anything or, or be marginally different are the ones who don't need the money, right, um, to, to fund their own campaign, which is essentially what Donald Trump was and might be, might be what RFK Jr. is. Um, and anybody else after that is a slave to that system. Now, Bernie, so, so constantly talking about the squad, right, and getting pissed off about why the squad doesn't do what you want it to do is a failing to understand what the squad is. And the same for Bernie. Just stop talking about those people and try and find, um, if you can, the, the, the least, the most independent, powerful agent as your president. But at the same time, as Donald Trump shows, no matter whether you like him or not, he couldn't do as much of the things that, that citizens would ever want them to do um, for the citizens. He only did stuff on really big ticket um, policy, which the grey zone has laid out. I mean, he took out took us out of the World Health Organization, UNESCO, climate change, but he also tried to cut all of the wars that, that the US was fighting. So I know that's not a great summarizing point but um... yeah i just i guess i just don't understand what this has to do with the progressive campaign strategy okay i'm yes. not sure where that fits in right okay so you know donald trump is not a progressive but if rfk junior runs i would ask people to consider whether they think he's progressive enough because if he's a guy who is prepared to stand there and say you've been fucked over in covid by the state, all of its agents, and pharma working together, 
I know exactly how that was done. I know all the science of why it was wrong. And I'm going to go and sue them all. That's what he's literally doing now. Then, then, and at the same time, he wants, he, he is anti deep state because of what's happened to his father. And he pursues, and, and, and if he's prepared to put his money where his mouth is on that, on the campaign trail as well, is he progressive enough for people, no matter what color he is? and no matter what he might have done in the past with, with draft pick endorsements? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure. I'm going to let Noel answer this, and then I want to go ahead and go to Johnny, because I do have a feeling that RFK Jr. is going to run through the Democratic Party, and if that's the case, I don't even think they're going to let his message get across on the debate stage. But yeah. go ahead, Noel. And that was exactly where I was going, Savvy. It doesn't matter because if a person is really sincere enough and progressive enough, the system is going to rebuff them from the start. That's like I was saying with Marianne Williamson, the first question they continue to ask her is, well, will you support the eventual nominee? Because they know they're going to control that. And so the person who is really trying to change the system is going to be rebuffed by the system. And if they get in, you're not going to get the endorsements from the people. We've already seen it, just like you said about the squad. Anything that enters that system is co-opted by that system. So the only thing that will suggest that he is anything different is, is if he is trying to run as a third party independent, in which case we can at least say, well, he is outside the system. But anything that sets a foot in that system is going to be co-opted. And let's be clear, one of the reasons Trump was able to win was because Trump ran as an outsider to the Republican Party and the Republican Party doesn't have the mechanisms like superdelegates to overwhelm the um, votes of the primaries like they do in the Democratic Party. And the other reason Trump was able to win is because he got so much free publicity because he was a media personality and people just took him for granted. But I say this, in assessing Trump as a president, it wasn't so much about you know, his unfettered language and this and that is what did he do? Did he advocate for a minimum wage? Did he advocate for universal health care for all? Trump is a con artist just like Obama was. They just spun different narratives. Trump was about Trump. Trump didn't do any. He didn't speak, you know, truth to the situation in Israel and Palestine. Trump was about Trump and people saw through that. He said, oh, I'm going to bring back manufacturing. He brought back nothing. So and at the end of the day, no matter how you slice it, he did perpetuate a lie about losing that last election. He lost. And the people in the Republican side knew he lost. So, I mean, there is no way to valorize him. Yeah, the Democrats were off kilter in their approach to trying to undermine him because they wanted Hillary Clinton, but he was not some great president who was making all kind of good decisions on behalf of the people. I never said and when that. He, he would always push a racialized narrative. He did that all the time. So, you know, they they struck and they missed the Democrats struck and missed, but that doesn't make him a good credible president. Honestly, no. Well, I'm can not I saying just say, 
this is why we, I say we need a movement focused around a set of demands. Because as long as you're talking about these personalities and these candidates and the parties, this is where you end up with all this running around and your team's, this team's better than this team and whatnot. If we have a clear set of demands and when you, when you look at a potential candidate like an RFK, well, go down the demands. Is he really serious about fixing big money in politics and government? I don't, you know, does he talk about that? Is he pushing real solutions? Demand two, is he really serious about help getting real health care for all, like a U.S. NHS? Is he saying that? You know, demand three, is he really serious about a standard, a, a real minimum standard of living for everyone? Right. Like, Four, is he really serious about ending the wars? And you can go down that whole thing. Right. So like, I feel I was, like we need to be centering around that. I was going to say, if you look at his website right now, there are no demands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm not trying to make... Isn't that convenient? What, I'm not trying to defend Trump at all. I'm not even saying any of the stuff that, that Noel is pointing out. I agree with Noel's um, sentiment about what Trump is, right? All I'm using Trump as do, as, uh, is, is, the, is the person who proves every deep state mechanism and narrative spin is real. Like, because everything they threw at him turned out to be literally manufactured lies, which is, and that was the point, to bend perception, to undermine his ability to perform anything in office, because he was constantly dealing with shit, um, shitty, all these made up attacks, and then to ensure that he couldn't get a second term because the perception machine um, bust up his chances of getting in. But the problem is that the perception machine is now blown up because all of those attacks have been proven to be false, and so he's got a free second bite of the cherry, bolstered by the fact that he can now go, look, all the proof, I've got all the proof that they were lying about me. I'm not what this is, which is the own goal that I'm talking about. Now, put, put Trump aside. That's as much as I needed to say about Trump. I do not defend him and I do not believe that he is a good president at all. It's just that's not the point I was making. Now, I agree with you in terms of the independent side of things. Here's the weird thing. I suspect, as I said, that the two people who could actually run an independent ticket this time round could be Trump, right? Because then he won't have to contend. Then he'll be in head-to-head -head with DeSantis, and he could afford to do that, right? Whereas if he goes in and DeSantis runs, it's much more likely that the entirety of the GOP, or the Republican Party, will back DeSantis because he's a near-contract pick and accept that they are dealing with the aftermath of COVID no matter who goes in, right? So DeSantis isn't a threat in that sense. And then Donald Trump's going to go, fuck it. Well, why do I want half my votes being split that way? I'll go and run on an independent ticket and see if I, my ego will carry it through. I reckon that's roughly what he might consider. But then RFK, if he, if he has enough money from enough um, loose sources that don't seek to overly control him, he could theoretically try for an independent ticket to escape these Dem problems that you've just described. And if he does that... Is, is he progressive enough? I mean, what, what I'm absolutely certain of is that we all must accept that no one entering politics is perfect at any level, whether that's in skill or reputation or integrity. They're all doing it for the wrong reasons, really, or they're all shit, right? Because they've never run anything in real life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's a given. RFK, you can pick holes in anything he's done if you don't like him, just like you can anyone else. My argument about him is that of all of the imperfect people putting forward, coming forwards, if he comes forwards, 
in the Democratic Party, I agree, he'll be shut down because he's a threat to the system, right? His legacy is a threat to the system. So to evade that, he may go independent. And if he, if somebody with his standing and his stature and his legacy goes independent, all the people wanting an independent candidate, are you willing to look at him to say he's progressive enough and, and he, although imperfect, he is sufficient for me to go back him as, as possibly the first time an independent candidate has ever managed to pull something off in American politics. That's, that's the I, question. I, I, I doubt, I doubt that's going to happen because most people that have decided they're going to participate this time around that are progressive are going to support Marianne Williamson, that it's already been decided. So I think that, you know, that that's, that's the thing. Like I said, I think I expect more people to announce um, and I, I said that like a month ago, I think it won't just be Marianne. I expect others to come forward as well. Um, but like I said, it, the progressive voters usually go the way that progressive media goes. So if progressive media has already gotten on board with Marianne Williamson, people who are going to participate in the strategy again are supporting Marianne Williamson. And, and it's, uh, that's how it goes. It's unfortunate, but that's how it goes. I mean, like there were over 20 people that ran in 2020. It wasn't just, you know, Biden, Bernie and uh, Elizabeth Warren and Kamala. There were over 20 people that ran, but the progressive media got behind Bernie Sanders and that's who everyone backed. So it'll be whoever they get behind and they have chosen to get behind Marianne Williamson. And that's that's pretty much how it works here yeah. in reference to progressive voters. Okay, so what you're saying really is that um, people are so politically mindless that they do what their media tells them to. For the most part, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so I'll make a prediction. I predict that if Marianne Williamson is is backed in this way, what you will find is she is exactly Bernie 2.0. That's exactly what she will be. Even if she gets in, she will end up giving away everything that you ever wanted her to do Right. It, and, and then because look at Bernie's stance on Ukraine. He is literally hoard himself. He was last time I saw that he was interviewed. Me, this I, I don't want to. He literally me. said, I don't know anything about about Ukraine. I don't follow it, but I defer completely yeah. to the current government stance. Complete well, she's whore. already she's already given her position on Ukraine. She's already yeah, but it won't stay her, like that. No, no. Her her position is to keep giving money to Ukraine. Exactly. Well, OK, right. sorry. Exactly. Right. So um. If, if she's doing that, she is exactly the person you don't want because she's basically saying, I want to I want to run the risk of nuclear war in a war we can't actually militarily win. That's insane. But what just a, we're, just, but just what, another she's just another what we're, agent. What we're saying is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's Marianne, if it's RFK Jr., if it's anybody running on a progressive man, uh, a message the DNC is going to stop them from winning. Bernie Sanders was the closest chance that we had. There were multiple times where he was polling above Joe Biden, where he was polling in first place. And even Bernie couldn't pull it off because the Democratic Party, the DNC got together and found ways to make sure that he would not win. And mainstream yeah, yeah, media, I agree. I, I, I agree. And that's and why I'm saying media, that if and mainstream media is a big culprit of that. Because they, they're already, they smeared Bernie Sanders. They're already smearing Marianne Williamson. And like I said, it's not so much about the person. It's that the, the policies that you're running on. So if you're running under those progressive policies, which actually help the people and not corporations, the DNC is going to find a way to make sure that you don't win. 
That's yeah, the yeah. problem. It's the system. It's not the person that's running per se. I, I completely agree with you, Sabi. And that's why I float that if RFK sees it, sees it that way as well, calculate if he runs and calculates that that's going to be his limiting factor is the Democratic Party itself. And he does this un an unusual thing, which is actually go on an independent ticket. Then people have to ask themselves, do you want to just give up and say, use the argument you just used to say there's no point in the first place backing him or do you want to go you know what fuck it this is the best chance i'll ever have in my, in, in recent history to try to book the system fuck it we'll just go in and, and back him and see what happens you might as well if you think that every other direction is completely captured it's it's not and that easy like i get what you're saying like i personally would not support any candidate running in the two-party system I personally would not do that because I know they're both corporate and it's not going anywhere for the people. But the problem is with the independent and the third party candidates is that, number one, the media is going to pretty much, you know, blackball them. They're not going to get that attention on mainstream media unless they're most likely being smeared. Number two, the ballot, pro the ballot uh, process that we have in this country is a big problem, too, because the reason why. You know, some of these candidates don't really fare a chance if they're running independent or Green Party is because they don't have ballot access in every state. Now, Jill Stein, I think, came really close. I think Jill Stein was on the ballot in like over 40 states uh, in this country. But even mm. then, once Jill Stein started to poll, I think it was, she got to 7% at one time. Once she got past that 5% threshold, because that's all you need to get the federal funding, they started to smear her by they, I mean, mainstream media, they smeared her and they referred to her as a Russian asset. And that was pretty much the end, any kind of chance for Jill Stein. And they'll do the same thing to RFK Jr., especially since he was very much, I know he had a um, a message about the, the COVID narrative that he wasn't for like the vaccines and things like that. They're definitely going to use that against him. And I'm not saying that, you know, you should be, pro-vaccine or whatever, but I just know how the media works here and they're going to use that against RFK Jr. And so that will scare some of the pro-vax people off from voting for him. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole thing that, that, that goes along with this, which you got to understand about Robert uh, F. Kennedy Jr. is like, he's not like the other Kennedys. And I say that as someone who sits right here in Massachusetts. He's different. He's kind of like the black sheep of the family. And even some of the family members don't support what he's doing right now. They don't support that book that he wrote calling out mm. the vaccines. Uh, some of these interviews that he's done. I know he did an interview on Jimmy Dore and other shows as well, calling out the vaccines. And for the most part, a lot of them are not behind this and they don't support what he's doing. So that's another thing. And I think that you know, it'll be interesting to see. I, I honestly don't think he's going to run as independent. I think he's going to run through the Democratic Party. Here's I got a little uh he says un for me personally, if if the person who comes forward and levels with us and say, Listen, people, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna run as an independent. The Green Party already has an infrastructure, they have welcomed me. I am going to hook up with, you know, worker strike back. We're going to come with the demands. And if we cannot do it this time because of the system, I am committed to building this third party movement out past the election. Because we all know that a third party or independent candidate is not likely to win this first time out. That was the issue with Bernie. If you say, but I am committed to staying with this because we can only win 
through a third party movement and I am going to stay with building out the party past this election, then that gives me some real hope because you're not vacillating. You're not telling people, oh, get behind the Democrat anyway. You're saying, listen, the system is rigged. We know it. We may not get there this time, but damn it, we're going to keep building till we get access in all 50 states. And that's how you build the momentum because it gives people something to hope for besides continuing to say, now go into that slaughterhouse and vote for whoever. That's what burns me up. We can fight to the death, but we have to be fighting for the death for the demands that we want. Just like Shama Sewant says, we have to stick to these core principles and, and just going along with the system is not going to do it. But if he comes out and is for a third party and says, we're going to continue to build it out, then I'm. Okay. But well, just, let me bring in, I need to bring in the next caller Gator because it's been a minute. Can I, can I just literally say something for 30 seconds that, that, that is a question really for people to take away? If you, if you go down the road of subscribing to Sabi's system view of independence basically can't get in, and if you go down the um, other view of if you wanted to be an independent, you have to A, put in a shitload more time, B, you have to kind of use what infrastructure you can, right? But it's all rigged anyway. You know where you end up? You end up basically saying independence can never get in, and therefore we are enslaved permanently in the, in the, in the uniparty system. And we know that every candidate that's going to come through the uniparty system is a shill. So therefore democracy does not exist. And everything we're talking about on these shows week in, week out is unachievable, completely unachievable. That's what your message is. No, that's uh-huh. not what my message is. If you actually watched my, my show, you would know that. I never said, well, yeah, don't yeah, support, but, but, let me finish the, what I'm the, saying. I never, the political I never thing said, you just let said me finish what I'm saying. Place. Let me finish what I'm saying. For those of people who are listening, who do watch me and do watch RBN, that is not what we tell you to do. What we tell you to do is that if you're going to vote, vote independent or third party. But you, you have to understand. Let me finish. But you have to understand that most likely they are not going to win. But then you don't understand the strategy. When you're voting for independent and third party candidates, the strategy is not that they are going to win. We know how the system is. The strategy is to pull support away from the Democratic Party and pull support away from the Republican Party so that those parties can wake the fuck up and start bending to the will of the people. That is the strategy. The other thing that I tell people to do is to get involved on the local level. When it comes to electoral politics, you can accomplish more on the local level. I've seen it multiple times in my state here in Massachusetts. We've got most of our wins on the local level. When you talk about those progressive policies, they're passing here on the state level. They do not pass on the national level. Every time they have been brought up in Congress for a vote, somebody either stops it in the House or someone stops it in the Senate or the president stops it. But when it comes to the local level, those progressive policies are passing. I also tell people that you should get involved with worker movements. This is why I've been telling people to support worker strike back. We need to try to unionize Amazon all across this country. Chris Smalls can't do this all by himself. We should be organizing with Railroad Workers United because they can't do it all by themselves either. That is the message that I give to people. And I was an activist before I was a podcaster. So I know how to get it done and I know how to do it. Now, 
also. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that summary. I, I, I'm, and I'm in, in spirit with you. The only thing I would say is that I disagree with your high-level, big-picture strategy because that is exactly the same emulation as voter apathy. Just what not you have voting. to understand, Gator, is when it comes to the high level in this country, until you get corporate money out of electoral politics, nothing is going to change. It's the system that is the problem. So it doesn't matter if it's Marianne Williamson, if it's Robert F. Kennedy Jr., both of those parties are bought and they're they're corrupted. They've made it almost virtually impossible for third party and independent candidates to even get on the debate stage. And if you can't get on the debate stage, then people don't get to hear your message. And yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. I, I understand. Okay. That, yeah. I'm Cheers. moving on to Johnny now. It's been a hot minute. Uh, All right, Johnny, you're on the mic. What's up? Gosh, I sure hope my arguments merit. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, we're talking about progressive strategies. Um, yeah, I want to touch on what Eric was saying and what Noel was saying. Eric said earlier that in order for us to have a winning strategy, what is lacking, what is needed is demands. Noel would say that uh, pretty much what you said, which was that uh, no matter what what candidate we bring forth, uh, we're, we're th their policies, if if not aligned with neoliberalism. Uh, but progressivism will will fail. Uh, the 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 point you made there, therefore, is to uh, to get the people. If I understand this right, Sabi, is to get people to understand that we're working towards a goal here, right? That we're all together on this, and uh, that we need to find a strategy to accomplish this progressive agenda, this progressive strategy. So here's a strategy, and I think that uh, as well. I guess it's it's quite radical, but. I have yet to find somebody that will argue against it reason, with reason. Uh, so let me start off with, with a couple of presuppositions. Number one, we can presuppose that most Americans can say with honesty that we are no longer a government of by and for the people, whether you be libertarian, progressive, whatever, you know, right wing, uh, whatever. Most of us can say that. And most of us can also say that we as a working class don't have the power to change to change this uh, political system that is corrupt we just don't have that power right i disagree okay uh, and i would and i disagree as well well wait wait i would agree what i'm saying what i'm saying is that most would most would say that we don't have the power that doesn't mean that we don't have the power i for one, say that, oh, yeah, we have the power, and it's outstandingly, outrageously simple. It's outrageously simple. As a matter of fact, if done properly, it could actually be done within a year, maybe two years, maybe even a year. So the, the, the one thing that is lacking, and I use this example a lot with uh, Jank Uger before he sold out, uh, and he was a part of the Wolf Pack, and he was trying to put forth an, uh, uh, an Article 5 convention. And I believe that the most, I believe he might have organized five states, you know, and he went to a federal judge or where he has the federal government from an Article 5 co uh, convention. And, uh, and, I, and, and I tell people this way, I imagine it that he had about six lawyers behind him and he whooped out his, you know, his petition, it's hundreds of thousands of 
uh, signature saying that we demand, according to the Constitution, an Article 5 Constitu uh, Const Constitutional Convention to amend the Constitution to give us free and fair elections. And he stuck it in the face of the judge's face, and he looks at it, the judge, and he looks at Jake Uger, and he looks over his shoulder, and he says, uh, you and what army? Right? So, uh, so the point is, is that we have to identify we will not get anywhere. No strategy, no electoral strategy will get us anywhere unless we have power behind it. So the next question, therefore, is this. Where do we identify the power that the people have? You know, the United States government uh, don't like Putin for one particular reason, and that is that he is fighting neoliberalism. He doesn't agree with America's democracy that says that uh, individual and uh, individual people, which is what I would term liberalism, liberals, right, which are emphasizing the rights of the individual as opposed to the East, which emphasizes the rights of the collective, because we all know that all governments in history throughout time either emphasize the one or the many, right, a philosophical problem, right? So the, 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 the idea then is that the United States government is under a neoliberal idea, and we have such a hold over our democracy that the neoliberals, the, the ones that believe that they have a right to profit, has taken our government from us. Where do we get the power? You know, I drive a truck from Detroit to Chicago back and forth. I've been doing it for five years. I was part of two different unions in 30 years of my career, so I know what it's like to have a decent living, right? But I look at my fellow human being, I look at since the night, late 1970s, how neoliberalism has just eaten their lives up, right? You know, it's just, it's, it's terrible, right? And I ask, and I, and I talk to truck drivers and we all know this is true. Truck driver, do you have power? Oh yes, oh yes, I have power. Yes, and, and, and we all know it. We all know it. Where we go to Washington, D.C., park our trucks and block Main Street, honk our horns and say, power to the people. No, 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 no. I'm talking about something even more, more effective. So what the United States government was trying to do to Russia is to create an economic situation where the people would rise up and fight back against Putin and kick him out of office. They really felt that they could do that. They're pretty dumb, right? I mean... No, they didn't. They had the opposite effect, right? So if if the people if the people's argument to get involved, to, to understand that they are powerless to change our political system because, I mean, you, what we get a, a really good uh, uh, progressive candidate in there, and we know that you know they're going to pull the rug out from us from under him, and we're going to lose. So. It leaves us powerless so, so that we're not apathetic. No, it's not apathy, meaning I don't care. It, it is the feeling of powerlessness. So one of the arguments people say is this, is that I just don't have the time. I can't go on the streets. I can't protest. I just I have a family to support, so on and so forth. So this is, um, it's profoundly simple, really. All you really truly have to do is be seen and be recognized and understand that Gray is good for those in power. Gray says, you for abortion? Oh, I'm not. You for gay rights? Well, I'm not. You're right, and I'm left, and I'm not. And let's argue, because everything's gray. Black and white is also actually uh, 
to their favor when it's cut. You know, either you're on this side or you're on that side. And they're okay with that too because that's also an argument. But what they're not okay with, they as in those elites, those liberal class that have taken our government for over 40 years now, is when we have a black and white argument but with power behind it. And here's the power. No, fellow citizen, you don't have to protest in the street. You have to do just one simple act. Wear red and white. It represents something. Wear red and white on your body and on your vehicles. You drive down the road. Get critical mass, 10% of the population to do that. And then herd mentality kicks in. After a while, you're sitting in the mall and you look around, you see four or five people. So what's the deal with red and white? Well, red and white represents that we recognize as a nation we have blood in our hands. We have allowed these assholes to go around the world and kill people for the sake of profit, for the sake of neoliberalism. And we're willing to fight and we want to do it peacefully. That's what white represents. So how does red and white get you where you want to go? Well, it's quite simple. We ask those because we've understand and we recognize who has power in our country. Ask the truck driver to stop driving. Just stop driving. Call in sick. May, Labor Day, two years from now. Now, I'm a truck driver. I drive down the road and I talk to these truck drivers all the time and I ask them point blank. I said, so tell me, if people, normal, everyday, hardworking people look at you as the new representative, representing the people with power, would you stop your truck and create an economic an economic situation where politicians have to do something? Well, yeah, sure. Half of them would say, well, some of them would say, no, I got a family to feed. I got people to take care of us. It's, yes, and the neoliberal is counting on that because the neoliberal says it's more important that you emphasize the individual and his needs and not your fellow human being. So they're counting on that. You see, this is a double-edged sword. Once the word gets out and the movement starts and we reach critical mass, you're going to start feeling pretty uncomfortable not wearing red and white. And the truck driver driving down the road now understands that in his hands, in his hands, he has the future of a country and a hope with real power. Now, what is the demand? The demand is two things. Number one, a nuclear arms treaty. And number two, free and fair elections according to one who we can trust that recognizes what a free and fair election is. And that would be a gentleman that's been working on this for over 20 years or maybe more. That would be Lawrence Lessig. Lawrence Lessig now, I think, is not so much in Article 5 as he is in Section 6, I believe it was. I've got to look that up. But that's the strategy. That's the strategy. I think that we can get our country back with power and we can overcome this duopoly because the last thing, you know, the last thing the these people want. The last thing that those in power want, the libertarian and the progressive and the, you know, all spectrums, everybody, all in agreement, all understanding that, you know, we have to fight and we have to fight with power and we understand where it's at. Now, here's the danger, because there is a danger. And that is that if the word gets out and we start this movement and we don't act, what does that say about the character of a nation? And what does it say about the neoliberal who feels that he has that right? He'll double down. So it's really more about the character. And now I'll leave it at that. What are your thoughts? That's really interesting, Johnny. I mean, I, I've been saying for a while, like, I really think we need a general strike. 
in this country. And I think the best, one of the best chances we had of that happening was the railroad workers, if they would have been able to go on strike. And then also the trucker strike that happened in Canada. I felt like they, even though some people may not have agreed with what they were on strike for, they still had the right idea was to shut down the supply chain. And that's how you have a general strike in this country. If you shut down the supply chain, the president had, they have no choice but to act. Now I know obviously that requires mutual aid and this is where mutual aid comes in because people will still have to pay their bills, right? Like obviously those truckers that went on strike, I'm pretty sure they had a mutual aid network where they were able to still pay their bills and take care of their families. And so it's, it's, it's interesting what you were saying about the herd mentality that would get people uh, buzzing. That would get people to ask the question, like, why is everybody wearing red and white? You're right about that. And I'd also think about Eric, who's a speaker. He has 11 demands. And I think if people haven't looked at that, you should really look at that. Eric has his own website with 11 demands. And Eric was wanting to build a movement around his demands. And I think, both of those things I, I think could work. Um, I think uh, that the big, the big thing is that the demands really have to be driven home, but you're right. If a lot of people did do that, did wear like red and white or whatever, it would definitely get me- mainstream media attention. It would definitely I, get their attention. I would, I would argue that this is where I, we would make a mistake. In other words, you know, we, we understand how they operate. They co-opt the message, right? And it'd be quite easy, right? Uh, and you could also argue that, well, they would go after the leaders. Now, if we do it this way, if we follow in this strategy, there's no real leader. There is only the idea. And the idea is just quite simply two. Nothing more, just two. And the and and the person that'll lead this because there has to be a leader, right? There has to be some sort of an identifier that says, "Yes, this is free and fair," right? Now, I was part of a, a group uh, um, called Real Progressives, and I still am, right? I, I watch them. Real Progressives focuses on modern monetary theory and understanding a heterodox understanding of money. Now. Many times we say, you know, that we need to get money out of politics. I would argue that we need to put money in politics. You see, it, it goes like this. The, the, this way of thinking, this, this strategy says to the oligarchs who have taken our government, I'm not telling you not to spend money or keeping you from spending money. You spend all the money you want. Whether or not you earn that is up for debate, but that's not the that's not the issue here. The thing is that you can spend all the money you want because if we understand properly and understand correctly federal finance, modern monetary theory, we understand that we have more money than thirteen Jeff Bezos lined up together to each yeah, other, they, right? So, yeah, just, so we have this. F, just FYI, yeah. they they've been on multiple times and they've gone through MMT. All right. Okay. So, yeah. so, so it's not, you know, so, so our problem then, let me get my point then. My point is this, is that we run a danger of uh, getting more, more demands, right? Uh, because it's easy to co-op. So the, the best thing is to keep it simple. And every individual is responsible for their own YouTube channel, spreading the, spreading the word. This is what we're going to do on this date. And these are the demands. Now, you know, if you don't follow through, then we would argue we would argue that this is treason, 
right? And uh, we'll shut the government down, right? Now that's you know, I I I, I actually think that it won't get that far. I actually think that oh, and this is it. This is it. This is now. I remember your your point, Savvy, was that we know that these uh, progressives that we pick will not get elected. We know this because the system is screwed, right? But what we do accomplish by this, the closer we get to the deadline, is a recognition and an understanding for the very the, the that regular person that doesn't watch politics, that's not involved in politics, to have a real clear understanding as to the character of him, him and his neighbor, and the understanding that if they don't act properly, then they get what they deserve. Johnny, no, yeah. I'll keep uh, it at that. Where you at? I am right now in Chicago. Clear. Are you live in, in Chicago? Is that where you're from? No, no. Actually, I'm from uh, I'm from close to Ann Arbor, but I call myself uh, a Texan. I'm a, the home is Dallas Fort Worth area. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you live in Texas? Well, no, where I you... live in Chicago. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So you live in Illinois? Yeah. Yeah. Illinois. Mm-hmm. Okay. Look. Before you said that we have no power, okay? Right. What I'm saying is we actually do have power, especially you who lives in Illinois, okay? The thing is, we have to get out of, um, we have to get out of looking for the politician to do um, for us that we could do for ourselves, especially those who live in Illinois. You can make the change right where you're at because you live in a citizen ballot initiative state. You don't even need, usually what comes down from your state hits you harder and faster than what comes down over from DC, okay? So citizens of Illinois may only initiate constitutional amendments. Citizens may not issue state statutes or veto referendums. You have the ability to get all your, I, what do you call yourselves, Illinoisans? I, I, I don't know what the word yeah. is. Okay, you have the ability to get all your Illinoisans together. There's some people right here who are on this on this uh, stream who are from Illinois also, okay? Y'all can get together, get some petitions signed, well, get a lot of petitions signed, and get that jammy on the ballot on 2024 to get whatever it is that you need. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, if, yeah, if you have, but, if you have the but this listen because I, I I heard you yes, for sir. like five minutes. Yes, sir. So yes, sir. Go ahead. Here's the thing. Instead of having, a, if you have the ability to do it yourself, okay, then do it. You just completely bypass the the uh, the politicians, and we have to stop looking at because because you're making the mistake. And I'm not saying just you, but you know, same thing when Gator was here and so on and so forth. You guys keep looking at the national level. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, yeah, these politicians ain't going to do going to do jack. OK, they come on after we already set the trend. You feel what I'm saying? You can mm-hmm. make that change right then and there. Now, here's here's something else um, I wanted to. Uh, so I have some I have some information for you also, um, Sabrina. Right. Talking about but, uh, yeah, but before. Up. Can I respond to that? Can I respond yeah, to that? Yeah. Go All ahead. right. Uh, my little brother lives in East Texas, and right now he's a uh, chairman for the Democratic uh, uh, Committee there. Okay, and, uh, for he, I think he's over seventy uh, precincts, 
in East Texas and we have this argument and I say, God bless you, little brother. You know, you're doing great. I mean, you're, you're in the local level. You're, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're leading people into, you know, finding ways to elect local representatives to, to make a difference locally. But tell me, how is that helping the person who uh, is going broke because his family's medical, uh, you know, medical needs, you know, require him to, to, to use up all his savings, you see? And, and, and he's saying, he, and, and, and I'll say that, you know, and, and I'm saying to you as well, God bless you. God bless you in understanding that, you know what, Johnny, just got to work a little bit harder. I mean, you're you're working. Oh, I'm not saying you got to work harder. I'm, I'm just saying but you got to work. You got to be smart, right? You got to be smart, and you got to be involved in local politics, and you could actually make a difference. And I am. But this is more. This is more than local. This is actually. You know what? Chicago has local ballot initiatives that you can yeah. do. Not only the state, but Chicago also. But I'm. I was talking about doing something statewide. Now, here's the thing with Texas. Texas is not a citizen yeah. ballot initiative state. But let me tell you a mistake that. that um that democrats did in texas do you know that throughout just about most of the 20th century it both chambers were controlled by democrats and they did nothing to advance during the whole time when all these states these which came to be 23 states were allowing their citizens to place initiatives on the ballot they were passing ratifying amendments to allow their citizens to place initiatives on the ballot so that they can pass state law repeal state law and ratify their own amendments texas the, the texas democrats chose not to do that throughout most of the 20th century both chambers of texas legislature where there was even a there was even a decade where there was no republicans in both in both chambers of the texas legislature right and it wasn't until 1998 when it became purple where one chamber when bush jr was governor where one chamber was red and the other one was uh blue and then once we got into the 21st century it just went red okay um so that's just just giving a little bit of, of history about that so like new york we're we're kind of like all we can do is is just I don't know. Uh, I think you know what I think. Delilah said there's really more independents in 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 Texas than there are Republicans or Blues, but um, but but regardless, right? Still, in all, like you, like I said, you have the ability to do something where you're at right now, and you have power. Okay, and it starts. They say it starts with the states, and the states that usually starts with are the citizen ballot initiative states. Okay, so. There was something, I have a little information, um, inf- inf- information intermission, um, Sabrina, right? So what I was saying before with, with California, so I'm reading this thing, the California Public Banking Alliance. These are cities, counties, and regions advancing public banks. City of Los Angeles, anybody who lives in California, listen up. City of Los Angeles, city and county of San Francisco, city and county of San Diego, now, these five regions right here in the East Bay Regional Public Bank, Almeida County, City of Oakland, City of Berkeley, City of Richmond, in the Central Coast Regional Pub, uh, County, I mean, Central Regional Public Bank, right? Santa Cruz County, Santa Barbara County, Monterey County, City of Santa Cruz, City of Seaford, Seaside, City of Scotts Valley, City of Capoto, Capitola, City of Watsonville, City of Delray Oaks, City of Marina, 
Now in the Palm Palmana, Palmano Valley region, uh, public public bank, city of Palmona, city of Laverne, city of Claremont, city of San Dimas. And in the, in the North Coast Regional Public Bank, Son, Sonoma County, Mandi, Man, I don't know, what the hell is this, Mandingo? Roger, it Man, might be, honestly, like, it might be easier if you just put that link in the chat. Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But oh, man, your sorry. point, I get your point. There's local, there's things that I could do locally. State. You may argue that you're a Jeffersonian and I'm... Uh, you know, I'm a federalist, right? You know, what the one or the many, you know, are we going to argue for, or, you know, is the state and the federal government going to have control or is the states? My argument is this. What response do you have to the strategy of of doing what I'm saying with power? Why why wouldn't you do so? Why would you not? Why would you not advocate something like that? Let's What's bring in Eric. Eric, let's can yeah. you. I want to bring you in for this question and then I want to move on to the next caller. I'm going to be wrapping up here in right. about uh, 25 minutes. Okay. Eric, you just have to unmute. So what is the question? Well, I, I outlay, uh, outlined a strategy to get our country back from the neoliberals uh, with power. And that power, uh, uh, that power sort of pretty much uh, stopped the country, you know, uh, pretty much uh, made an economic uh, economic uh, crisis. Yeah, right. Yeah, I get you. Um, I mean, I guess the main thing I would say is that we, we, we really need to have a, a focus of prioritizing the money and the corruption is, is what I say. It, it's like nothing's going to, nothing's really going to change until you, until you address that head on. And, and, that, and so to me, every, everything else is just like, like side talk. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's what that's my problem with uh, not a problem really, but a sort of a disagreement in strategy with uh, real progressives. Because real progressives' idea was that look, we're progressives. We believe in the Second Bill of Rights, and we can get these Second Bill of Rights. But in order to do so, we need to make the people the power they have with their money that we can match dollar for dollar oligarchs money and take back our country this way. And I said, well, that's fine standing of money right but that doesn't actually get us where we need to go we we have to have a power behind that you know yeah so the, I wanna... so therefore so therefore uh savvy what are your thoughts would you would you say well no give me a reason why it wouldn't work i i guess that's what i'm asking everybody why wouldn't this work so i do need to move on to the next caller i'm sorry you guys i'm not trying to like push right. but it's just there's been people that's been waiting for a while in the queue um, but I will say, again, like to what Eric was just saying, is that you have to focus on the money and the corruption, because until you until you fix those issues, it's going to be really difficult for you when you put other obstacles, when you put things up against it. Like we talk about reforming the system. This is why I've always said reform doesn't work, because I've seen this happen in education. I've seen it happen in healthcare, I've seen it happen in policing. Reform doesn't work. And I've seen it happen with this Bernie Sanders progressive movement. It doesn't work because you still have the money and the corruption. And if you don't fix that, it's still going to be a problem. So people have to understand that you do have billionaires that are not talked about, that are very dangerous. You have billionaires like Larry Fink, who for the most part is not talked about, who owns BlackRock, which is a lot more dangerous than Amazon and Walmart. 
And people need to understand that. So when you have politicians and they say, we need to call out Jeff Bezos and we need to call out Elon Musk and the Waltons, those are the people who are all known. A lot of people have no idea what BlackRock is. A lot of people have no idea who Larry Fink is. So that's that's the thing. Like someone like that is even more powerful than Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk because BlackRock owns the fucking world. So people have to understand that. So that's why so you, your say, response then. So your response then, therefore, is uh, you would side with uh, Steve Grumbine and saying, understand the basics of modern money. That's the start. No, it's point. not. I understand. Yeah, understand the basics of the money, but understanding it doesn't change the system. Does that make sense? Right. You have to have an action that follows so, that. So That's you agree problem. with me. So you agree with me. You can't. You just can't have an understanding of uh, the corruption, the money. Uh, you know, money and corruption. You have to. You have to have, follow it up with, or you have to. It has to be combined with power. So yeah, thank you for you your time. To, yeah, you have to have a, a follow up action. Otherwise, it's just theory. Uh, let me yep. move on. Okay, thank let's you. go to. Let's go ahead and bring in Sue. Whoops. I don't know what happened to you. Okay, here we go. All right, Sue, you're on the mic. Just have to unmute. Just got to hit the unmute button there. Oh, no, Sue. Sue, did we lose you? I don't know what happened there. Um... I can invite you to speak. And then other than that, I'm moving on. Let's go ahead and bring in Sinway. You are the next caller. Just got to unmute. Just got to hit the unmute button. I don't know why, like this is, this has been um, happening a lot the past couple of call-ins where people can't unmute. Um, maybe I'll mention that to the support team. Okay, Sinway. I'll I'll invite you to speak. Bringing in uh, Brent. You are next on the mic. Just gotta unmute. If it happens again, if it happens with Brent as well, then oh. I'm definitely gonna have to put in a ticket. What's up, Brent? Brent. Hi. So um, the topic is about the progressive. Uh, The campaign, I, like I Ro can't Khanna really and you. what he said about banks. Hello. I, I okay. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Okay. So, um, first thing about um, the bank thing, um, it's it's really tricky because um, you have to diversify. I know a lot of people can't do. It. You have to have money in many different banks, and that sounds really simple, but. That's probably the only way you could avoid that situation because if one bank shuts down, then at least you have a backup. But um, I don't know. There's there's not really much a solution you could do about the banks thing. I mean, <laughs> unless you know somebody. Yeah. So we were talking about the progressive campaign uh, strategy, and we did a case study earlier today. So we were talking about we looked at the past and we looked at the present, and then we talked about what would happen in the future. So that's that's what this discussion is about. Hello? Okay. Um, 
And you and a portion of it because um, you talk about Marion Williamson and why um, it's she's running because of money and access. I think that's absolutely spot on because it doesn't seem like she has a really consistent message, and I feel like she's I feel like she has other motives besides pushing the progressive message. And wh- when you, whenever you interview next time, are you going to ask her um, if you lose? Are you going to support Joe Biden? Is that the, is that a question you're going to ask her when you interview her next time? I never said I was interviewing her again. <laughs> and we 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 weren't well, saying that Mary. Well, if you do. Yeah, I, I don't think I'll be interviewing Marianne again. Um, but we weren't saying that um, if she that she's doing it for access or money. We were saying that. There is a reason why this strategy is being used again, because they have to find someone to fill that Bernie Sanders slot. And since Bernie already ran two cycles in a row, you know, he's pretty much that's pretty much it for him. So they have to find someone to fill that slot because there is money to be made here. I wasn't I don't know what's happening with this app. Um, But what I was saying is like, sorry. What I was saying is that I was just going to say you can interview Marianne again after she does her dirty break. Um, what I was saying is that there is money to be made here doing that strategy and that that's a big reason for some people. That doesn't mean they don't believe in the movement, but like I said, like there's, it's not profitable to support third parties. It's not profitable to support independent candidates. It's not profitable to support worker strike back. It's not profitable to support these worker actions It's profitable to support a campaign that's running through the Democratic Party. That's what we were talking about. Oh, okay. So do you, um, oh, so unfortunately, Marion might not come back again. Like, you might not interview her again. So, because um, it seems like to me, it doesn't seem like she's, in my opinion, she's not very, um, I don't like her views on Ukraine and stuff. Her, her, her views on Ukraine aren't very progressive, in my opinion. So I don't know how serious of a progressive campaign candidate she is, um, but I don't know if there's an alternative or not. I mean, I'm not, I don't know why, I guess for me, I have to ask myself, like, why would I interview her again? And right now I don't see a reason to do so. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I mean, there's no really candidates out there that are in it. Not for the money, because I feel that she, that she is she is doing it for the money, and I mean you might not say that directly, but I feel like she's doing it for the speaking, like the the the, the access and the and the money she would get from writing books. And stuff. I feel that's why she's doing it, but you, I don't know if you feel that way or not. But that's that's what I'm, that's that's the impression I got from her. So, well, Marianne's written a lot of books already, right? So I don't, I don't know. I think I really do. I think she really does want to be president. I just don't think, I just don't think this is going to work. Yeah. I don't think she's winning. So (laughs) that's just my, my thoughts on that. So, and another last thing this app is really glitchy. I noticed that tonight. That's why I'm like, I don't understand. Um, what were you saying? Let me let Eric speak and then go ahead, Brent. Okay. Well, there's also the delays that, that, that make it tough sometimes. I'm sorry, I, I, I stepped on your point a bit earlier, Sabrina, but um, the, um, 
uh, oh, I was just going to say the it, it's it's like a, a big seduction of power thing. Like they they get it in their heads. Like it might it might really happen. I might really win. You know, he Trump did it, and I think it's just I think it's just really seductive. And like they they can't resist taking their shot. That's what I think a lot of times. Yeah, that's a good point to be made as well. I don't think that Marianne thinks she's going to win though, because Marianne has already done this before, so she knows. She does know how it works, but um, I don't think she she thinks that she's actually going to win. I think she knows that there's a strong chance that Joe Biden is going to get the nominee. Even if there's a small chance, it's a hell of a an upside, right? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I tell you, they can't resist, man. It's so seductive to these types of people. Mm. Go ahead, Brent. Yeah, so I think she's going to support Joe Biden. Like her answer, her roundabout answer was a bunch of, um, how do I put it, a bunch of BS. She's going to support Joe Biden if when she loses, I will say, in my opinion, because I don't think she's going to win. So if she runs um, and if she loses, she will support Joe Biden. She'll say like, oh, we have to do this to avoid Donald Trump, blah, 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 blah. But so support Joe Biden. That's what's going to happen. But she didn't want to say that because she wants support. So <laughs> I hear you. I, that's it. I hear you. Well, thank you so much, Brent. All right. We're going to bring in bad cookies. Uh, Just got to unmute. And uh, Simway. Simway, are you a speaker now? Okay, yeah, go ahead. I'm speaker. Go ahead, Simway, and then we'll go to Bad Cookies because Simway was first. Sorry, guys, this app is uh, it's glitchy tonight. Yeah. So, um, I've been listening to this, and you definitely emphasize like money on politics. And I don't know if I brought this up. Maybe it was a long time ago, but um, money in politics was like a major, major thing. It kind of fell to the wayside when I realized how much it's interconnected. But now. I'm really wanting to look at finding ways of like um, combating combating this. And one of the things I listed in like actions that can can be done relating to this election finance reform, major one. Expect and kind of seeing it already with like in my county, mainly for the county council members. Where, um, well, actually, no, it's more of like public financing. Really, it's like every. Uh, community members' donation to them would, like, be enhanced, like, like, 10 times or something to match, like, whatever corporations donate. And then, um, I just wrote out something about, like, uh, outlawing dark money, and then somewhat tying, even if it doesn't seem like it's related to Money in politics is ranked choice voting. Just to get out of this winner-take-all system that has us trapped in the duopoly. <laughs> Any other, like, inputs on that? And Eric, I guess other input. Eric has talked like about public- um, move to amend in reference to uh, campaign finance reform. Eric has spoken oh, about yeah. that before. That's their big thing. You can definitely contact them. I've contacted them multiple times and I have not heard back. So, but, but definitely reach out to them. Is there a ballot? Is there a ballot initiative about these reforming 
uh, election finance as well as, oh yeah, another one for like public broadband, especially with uh, um, whole net neutrality just down. What do you, mean? you can do a um, public, what, what are you saying, like the public finance? Okay, so you can do a ballot initiative for that in your state if your state is a BI state. It's not, well, in my case, it's Maryland, but so I'm going to need to find other ways. No, Maryland a, is, Roger, no, isn't veto, Maryland? It's a veto referendum state. All the, um, Maryland and New Mexico are veto referendum states. All they can do is repeal laws. They can't pass them and they can't ratify their own amendments to the state constitution. So they can only repeal laws and what was the other one? No, that's all they could do. I know, I know. You said repeal laws, and what was the other one? Uh, Maryland, Ma- Maryland, and New Mexico cannot use, don't have the citizen ballot initiative process to pass laws and to ratify their own amendments using um, the citizen ballot initiative. All they can do is repeal laws. Um, oh, wow. But what you were saying, though, about um, the, uh, the, the, um, the, yeah, the U S constitutional amendment. Right. So my thing is, is this right. Until we get that U S constitutional amendment to say that money is not protected by the first amendment and corporations are not people, we're going to need, um, public, uh, we're going to need a public financing system, right. Um, at least at least on start started on state and local level. Maybe I don't know if Baltimore is a is a citizen ballot initiative state city. You might want to check that because maybe you can, maybe you can check that out. But um, but I'm assuming that you live in Baltimore. But you know, not everyone in Maryland lives in Baltimore. I just assume that. Just like everybody, I tell I'm from New York. They assume I'm from New York City. But anyway, um, if you, what you can do in the mean, what we can do in the meantime is boost public financing money. You see what I'm saying? It's a, to compete, to be competitive with big money, um, at least in, in, in state and local. Right. But um, the thing is, here's, here's, here's the, here's the problem without a public bank uh, to create the surplus that public financing can draw those funds from to, to do a matching, to do a matching system of, you know, to multiply grassroots, it's going to be heavily hampered. We pass public financing of elections in New York State, and it's it's like there's a lot of loopholes in it, and 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 now they it, it's it goes into effect for state lawmakers in 2024 elections, and then for those who run statewide in 2026, and and the uh, the legislature is refusing to fund it now that it's coming around. But even, I mean, yeah, it's like better than nothing, but I don't think that our public financing system is is really competitive with with big money you see what i'm saying yeah. but i was just saying you know um i think that that's the reason like if you have that's one of the things they always say well what you you not have to that's going to come out of taxes so where the taxes are going to come out of you but you got to raise taxes on people and people don't like that and that's why i say the public bank it does not allow you it i mean you don't have to raise taxes or create new taxes to create the surplus you know so hmm. okay i have like 10 minutes left let's pivot to uh bad cookies just gotta unmute oh savvy how are you doing tonight doing good how are you oh uh 
to be honest with you, I think you sound a little irritated. You've had two guests tonight try to tell you what your positions are and have them be <laughs> false. So <sighs> let, let me let me paraphrase what I believe the position that RBN has, and you please correct me. This way we can establish what it is exactly. <clears throat> I think you already did that, but please just allow me to do this, please, for clarification. Uh, no one is telling anyone not to vote for the presidency. Vote whatever it is you want to vote for. What is recommended is you do not vote for the duopoly because you will be just supporting the duopoly. That is making the same mistake that we've repeated over and over and over again, and nothing will change that way. So you should vote preferably third party if you can and focus either down ballot or with local politics and community outreach. Be sure to focus on uh, ballot initiatives where you can, because that right now is the only actual power we can flex as civilians. So we need to be able to push every angle we can while we can. And that's my paraphrase of the situation. Is that correct, Savvy? Yes. And you, you want to try to do that while you can before they try to take something like that away. So I think that this is why we push that pretty heavily on the show. This is why we push also public banks. Public banks are incredibly important. And I think that could really help a lot of people as well. And then also helping the workers, these worker movements, worker strike back, like giving power back to the work the, to the workers is incredibly important. So I think that's where we need to prioritize and focus our energy. And this is why I keep telling people to sign up for worker strike back. If there is a chapter in your city, definitely participate. Like it's, they're, they're active. Like they've already got a number of events lined up, at least for the Boston chapter. If there isn't a chapter in your city, that's okay. Like if you go on Worker Strike Back website, there's an option there where it should say join. And then there's another option to, I believe, start a chapter in your city. And you can do that as well. But definitely like we have to organize the workers. And I know one of the first items on their agenda is to unionize Amazon across the United States. All right. With that established, everyone here listening tonight has established what the actual position is. So for any future references, anyone making any accusations of what you know positions are, please refer to this episode as your reference. Now, (laughs) I believe uh, the progressive campaign case study uh, I didn't watch your show tonight, Savvy. I only caught your calling. Really sorry about that. I'll, I'll be sure to watch it and hit the like. Trust me, I got you. So I'm uh, I'm more than positive the progressive game, because it really is a game at this point. The progressive game is up. And if at this point you support it, it's no longer about supporting the positions and the the values of it. Now it's just nothing but a fad. It's a... It's a title that you refuse to give up and you're thinking, oh, you know, as long as we keep um, voting progressive, you know, we'll change the system. And a lot of the people that support the progressive system, uh, like like a lot of the bread tubers, just want to do it because it's a way to continue making money. That's why they're pushing Marianne Williamson, because they need to keep pushing that game. Right. I think the game's up and uh, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Uh, That's my opinion, Sabby. You have a good night. Thank you so much, Bad Cookies. Yeah, that's exactly what we talked about today. Like, there's a profit to be made there. All right, Brady, bringing you in, and then I'm going to finish with uh, Jonathan here. 
What up, guys? Just hosted my very first open mic at the park today. It was nerve-wracking, but it was a flying success. And um, I wasn't brave enough to kind of convert it into an anti-war party because it was kind of a tough crowd. Like, they only wanted me to play country music as it was. You know what I'm saying there at the beginning? And so... (laughs) push anyone today you know i didn't want to ruffle any feathers today but that is the long-term plan to turn my regular musical events into kind of anti-war events and i'm doing that under the network of the proxy party which is just a party that i just made up out of the top of my head but i did write an elaborate platform that's ever expanding and it has a lot of really cool things like free water like free clean water that's drinkable you know um free organic food for everyone uh, free cannabis for everyone. Cause why the heck not? You know, like, uh, as well as psychedelic therapy because, uh, psychedelics literally, uh, repair the glutamate receptors in our brains that are damaged by alcohol and pharmaceutical drugs as well. And, um, I think just having a healthier brain would make it everything easier for everyone, first of all. And, um, but beyond that, a free shelter and free, you know, basically your universal basic needs will be taken care of. Um, and I'm, I'm very confident that we can legitimately provide enough free organic food for everyone on the planet. Like we could easily subsidize this for far less than what we're spending on war and and insurance companies. I mean, you could, you could pick one thing that's wasting money right now. And that's enough to pay for enough organic food for everyone, at least in our country. That's an easily achievable goal. If we could take care of that, that would be a really solid foundation for any general strikes in the future. Just having clean food and water. I mean, clean organic food, clean water, that would really take a load off of the healthcare burden in general. And, um, you know, making sure everyone has a place to stay, that's something we can all easily accommodate. And, um, yeah, we can change this overnight, guys. It's like the solutions are lying at our feet. We just need to reach down and pick them up and make it happen. Well said, Brady. Thank you so much for that. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned clean water because not having clean water can actually cause other health problems. Even if you're just using that water to, like, wash your hands, it it can cause other problems. So thank you so much for that. MosesWestFoundation.org. Senway, Baltimore is a ballot initiative city, if you if you can still hear me. All right, let's go ahead and we're going to finish up here with uh, Jonathan. Jonathan, you're on the mic, just have to unmute. Hello. Hey, um, liberalism is the problem is, is a circle. So you end up getting, you know, your 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 money your voucher money or your wage increases or your increase in teacher pay or your COVID checks or whatever it is. And then the cost of living goes up and four, eight, 12 years later, you end up fighting for the same money all over again. Right. So the, the, the platform to me is, it's very simple. It's like, I remember going to the people's party and like, I was like, Oh, that sounds good. And then I go on their website or whatever. And it's like a very long list of every demand held by every liberal and leftist throughout all of time. It's like, oh, is that all you want is the entire world? I don't believe you can just ask for the entire world. I think that's kind of lazy. It's unfocused. So in the interest of being concise and not running in this infinite loop of liberalism, 
you have to do Brady is right. It's universal basic services, the basic needs. And there's nothing that's going to empower the workers more than having the sort of Damocles taken out from over their head where they owe so much money. You, 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 the high base cost of living is what causes workers to sell themselves for peanuts in the first place, to compete against each other. Mm. Peanuts. And if they didn't have, if you just had basic housing, food, water, just, just, just didn't, just the non-discretionary commodities, the inelastic demand, which is just a fancy way of saying shit you can't live without. If you just had just that covered, universal basic services, and a wealth tax, that's my platform. It's two items long. That's it. It's in line with, uh, you know, the modern money mechanics. It's in line with leftism because universalization of basic services is a kind of communistic in, in a very literal way. It makes things communal. And uh, the wealth tax is, you know, the non-regressive way to destroy the... I'm using air quotes when I say fund it. By fund, I just mean destroy dollars to compensate for the effect of dollar creation that you do when you create all this stuff, all this housing. Spend a trillion dollars on housing. Yeah, you might devalue my dollars by 1%, but you just cut my cost of living by 40% for the poor people. So what do I care? You know? So like, don't ask, I, w I don't want to ask for the world. I just want to do like the, the core most systemic thing in the system on which all other systems are built is money. And you create it to take away the people's need, need for money by providing the basic service directly, not UBI, UBS services, and you destroy it why destroy not income, not sales tax, not FICA, not any other tax, just wealth, just like stocks, bonds, and land. You just destroy, like, I think those two things would solve the state of California. Just, just like that. Call me crazy, but no one wants to believe it's that simple, but it is that simple. Not easy, but simple. It's going to be hard, but it's not really that complicated. If you have a like focus, that's all. Well, thank you so much for that, Jonathan. Yeah, I hope you guys take all of this with you today and and also uh, try to figure out how you can organize your spaces at home in your communities. I mean, I did learn a lot this Saturday at Workers Strike Back in Boston. Um, it was really great to see members from the Railroad Workers Union join as well as teachers union members join like just so many different organizers and groups and also people who are not organizers um, but also care about the rights of workers and so i highly recommend that if you have not done so to visit workerstrikeback.org website and see how you can get involved like i said they have a number of actions that are coming up for at least for the massachusetts area but um I know what number of cities are also involved as well. So I think we really have to organize people within our communities. And that's what I'm saying. Like some of you that are looking for something to do, this is something you can get involved with. I think they have the right strategy here. And I wouldn't be promoting it if I didn't think that it was, it They're was actually going to do something. Huh? Workers strike back movement is the perfect opportunity for a lot of you people who live in um, citizen ballot initiative states to try to use that to, to as leverage because now you're getting people together and say, hey, guys, let's push a, a, a ballot initiative amendment for, you know, a public bank, single payer, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Um, also, 
um, at the beginning when Colin was speaking, you was talking about the news, right? About people grifting to get money and the Democrat party, blah, blah, blah. I thought of something where maybe we could go back to like the old PBS model or whatever the case is, where you have like a, an amendment that obligates the government to finance investigative reporting. So this way, you know, like you don't have to run around and trying to get money for to keep your show going and so on and so forth. You know what I mean? Like there's some, I believe that there's some way where I'm not saying it has to, government has to finance the whole show, but at least uh, the investigative part and, and like you make it an amendment, you know, whether it's state or, or national where they're obligated to finance you, even if you're, you're making them look bad, you know what I mean? Cause it, it, it'll be a right. And, um, you know, so it was a thought I had, an idea I had, because I see people are like running around. You saw what happened when, when was it Justin Hinkle? Yeah, Jackson Hinkle, whatever his name is, got, got cut off. He got demonetized and he was running around talking about MAGA communists and running around trying to do this and running around like a chicken with the head cut off. And I think that's one way to stabilize you guys' finances so you can do your job honestly. I'm not saying you're not doing your job honestly and not have to worry about, am I going to be in business? Am I going to be able to, you know, make rent or, or mortgage, whatever the case is. So just putting it out there. Sabrina, how's the debate? <laughs> I forgot oh. to add. <laughs> oh, it's, um, it's, it's Tuesday. It's, oh. it's Tuesday at one, I think it's 1 PM. I have to double check my calendar, but I think it's this Tuesday at one. Okay. It's, it's only an hour, so we'll we'll see how it goes. But you guys won't see it until June because it's I actually a part of a conference, a June conference. Yeah. She wanted the trailer. <laughs> That's really what it was. I wanted the trailer, too. I forgot to ask you about that. So it got canceled, so it's Tuesday? Tuesday at 1 p.m. Okay. Um, and watch out for the uh, videos coming from the uh, workers' strike back yesterday. There'll be a, a good long clip of uh, all the, the speakers. Uh, they had speakers on kind of on the stage and they had people in the crowd. And then there were some uh, some really good interviews with uh, Sabrina. I feel dissed. I, I feel dissed by, by Shasham, Shama. I was like, how are you not going to come to the greatest city in the world? Or at least the you you went to all these other cities and you didn't come here? With the, no, with the, the no, she didn't. No, she didn't come here. Um, she didn't come here. Like when she made the announcement, if if you go on the website, it gives you the opportunity to start a chapter in your city. Oh, yeah, no, it's because again, because it's a Marxist organization. Like she doesn't do everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny though. That would be funny if she went to all of them. There's a lot of cities. She had come here. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I feel dissed. Oh, no, no, no. All right, guys. Okay. Um, I'm going to head out. All right, guys. All right. Don't forget, I'm, I'm off tomorrow. I'll be back on Tuesday. But, yeah, again, I'm telling you guys again, go to workerstrikeback.org to see if there's a chapter in your city. If not, you can start one. Oh. Okay. Ready? I can officially say this time 
Good night. Bye. <laughs>